Let's face it, he doesn't know what a hashtag is from Hash Brown. Adam Curry, John C. Devorak. It's Sunday, June 26, 2011. Time for your Gitmo Nation Media Assassination Episode 316. This is No Agenda. Distracted by legal weed here at the Hilltop Watchtower Crackpot Command Center in Gitmo Nation West, the People's Republic of Southern California. In the morning, everybody. I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I'm cutting it close, I'm John C. Devorak. Crackpot and Buzzkill. In the morning. Hey there. Uh, hey, in the morning to you, John. In the morning to you, Adam. In the morning to all ships that see feet in the air, boots on the ground, and people in between. Yes, all, all of those. And, of course, our uh, human resources in the chat room at noagendastream.com, noagendachat.net, all charged up and ready to go exactly the way their government loves them so we can suck the lifeblood out of them. Yeah, indeed. It's a nice... Hey, it, but by the way, I picked up a, it's a good story. I want to get right to it right away. All right. It's one item, just an item. It's an mm-hmm, item that was mm-hmm, in the paper. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, apparently now many states, by the way, California's made a law against this. Uh, they use your FICO score. Oh, we've uh, talked about this, yeah. To determine how much money you should pay on your car insurance. What? What? I don't, I don't understand. They figure that if you've got a lousy FICO score, you're probably going to scam the insurance company, so you need to pay more money. Oh, my God. So this is the same company we discussed on the the last show now have a FICO score to determine how likely no, it, you are to take your... It's the same score. It's the same score. It's your finance score. Oh, they're, they're using, using the finance score. Okay, because these people are not, have a separate score how likely you are to take your meds. Right, that's the new thing they're working on. No, this is just the old score that the insurance companies are using, which which verifies, as far as I'm concerned, the fact that the insurance companies will use anything they can to gouge the customers, including, and I'm this is the big one, including all those shopping cards you buy from the various stores like Whole Foods or Safeway. And when you right. buy something, it goes into a database. Right. Now, everything right. you've ever purchased is in there. So every bottle of beer, and that will all eventually go as data to the insurance company that will say, you're eating too much beer <laughs> or drinking too much yeah. beer. No, if you're home, ah. you're blowing something up. It's that switch again. Hold on. Uh. Uh, uh, there we go. Yeah, stop eating beer. There we go. I'm back. Sorry. To, are, are you there now? Yeah. Okay. Anyway, the point is, is that this is just terrible. Yeah. Well, welcome to Gitmo Nation, everybody. And, and get ready for a great Sunday as John <laughs> kicks it off with the positive news of the day. Yep. <laughs> I'm here to please. <laughs> Yeah, it was really weird. Uh, now, we, of course, we had a short uh, short intermission between shows, you know, the Thursday to the Sunday. And uh, Friday was the big vote on uh, not one but two bills in the House about the, about the Libyan war that we're now in. And uh, I thought it was very interesting... I, of course, I watched all of the uh, all of the testimony, and it went on for hours. And this is all on C-SPAN, and I'm I'm sure very few people watch this because a couple of things happened. First of all, well, maybe I should just play these two little quotes. Um, so the two people kind of uh, uh, who are interesting to listen to in this entire debate are Ron Paul and Dennis Kucinich. Uh, both against the Libyan war, 
Now, the way it ran, it, it ran down in the uh, in the House is Ron Paul spoke first, and then right after him came Dennis Kucinich. But I thought for purposes of what I want to deconstruct, I want to play Dennis Kucinich first. They each got a minute, uh, and here's Kucinich uh, taking off. Now, there were two bills. One was for... Um, it's a little complicated, but I think uh, one one bill was for limiting the financing, and the and the other one was for limiting what the president could do in the war. Both bills failed, which I think is a very good thing. But it you have to kind of warp your mind around why it's a good thing. We've been in Afghanistan for ten years at a cost of over a half trillion dollars. In Iraq for eight years at a long-term cost of at least three trillion. Those who told us the war in Libya would last days now want to extend it for another year at a total cost of billions. It is surreal that we could even be considering authorizing this war at a time when the government is collapsing in debt. Those who told us the war in Libya was to save civilians' lives quickly switched to regime change, with innocent civilians dying from NATO's bombs. Prior to NATO assuming responsibility, we launched hundreds of cruise missiles and dropped tons of bombs on Libya. Since NATO took over, the U.S. has struck from the air at least 90 times, including drone attacks. But these are not hostilities, claims the White House. So what business is it of Congress? We must put an end, not only to the war in Libya, but we must put an end to the thinking that the Constitution is a doormat and that our constituents must simply bear the consequences of the misguided policies of this administration without this Congress having any say whatsoever. Defeat the authorization for the war. Vote for the Rooney Bill, which limits the war. And when we return, let's vote for a total cutoff of funds for this wrong-headed adventure. time has expired. Okay, so now this came after Ron Paul. So, and I believe one of so uh, Kucinich was sponsoring one of these two bills, if not both of them. And of course, the problem with both of these bills is not only by limiting how much money can go into the war on Libya, the non-kinetic war, or whatever it's being called, or limiting what uh, what the forces can do. They both do something very essential. They actually justify the war, right? Yeah, I guess. And so Ron Paul came first, and he kind of said that. Mr. Speaker, later this morning we will be uh, debating and voting on two resolutions dealing with Libya. The first one, H.J. Red 68, has been said to be one that literally endorses exactly what the president has been doing, and, and I agree with that. Even though it, it excludes ground troops, it doesn't talk about special forces, CIA, contractors, and unlimited bombing, which is really what we have to restrict. But the second one, H.R. 2278, has been said to be uh, strong, more strongly worded in restraint on the president, and this is where I disagree. I believe the wording is different. And it says no funds for ground troops, but then it has exceptions. And the exceptions are for all the things that we're already doing. So I believe if we vote and, pa- and pass the second one, it will be the first time this Congress has given authority to the president for what he is doing right now. So I urge my colleagues to look at both of these carefully. I have concluded that not only should the first one be voted down, but it's very important that the second one be voted down as well. And so, you know, and I thought about this. I'm like, that's absolutely right. Both of these bills, although under the guise of we're against it and we don't want it. And Dennis Kucinich up front with his, you know, maybe his heart's in the right place. But is he really that stupid? 
I think the guy's got to be just a shill now. <laughs> and 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 so Ron Paul, of course, is making sense. And so what happens? They, they well, that that I'm sorry, but that's the difference between the kind of a left wing version of a libertarian and a right wing version of a libertarian. It's exactly, interesting, exactly. So of course, Ron Paul is starting to make some sense, and then. Just to confuse matters, all of a sudden, Twinkle Toes comes out, Barney Frank, and uh, and what what timing to introduce the let's just call it the legalized pot bill that he and Ron Paul, I guess, had worked on together, which in my mind was only meant to completely distract all attention from the Libya discussion and focus it on marijuana because oh man, the mainstream media they love them some good pot talk. Everyone had a pun. Everyone had like, is this a half-baked idea? <laughs> is there a lot? There's a lot of buzz going around in Washington. It's like they turn into <laughs> blithering idiots. <laughs> and uh, and Barney Frank actually tipped his hat that this was like uh, the time to introduce now. But of course, it was on MSNBC. And by the way, m- maybe he's you know maybe he really I, mean, I think he believes in a lot of. Uh, you know, rights for uh, Americans because he's, you know, he wants the right to run a prostitution ring for from his house and stuff. You know, all the stuff that he did. So I'm sure he's no uh, he's no stranger to uh, the wacky, the wacky backy, which I am, of course, I'm a huge proponent of, even though I don't smoke it anymore. Uh, and once again, gets on uh, MSNBC and there's all the, <laughs> you know, I Maybe I'm joking a little bit, but some may be asking what you're smoking since this bill has no chance in the Republican-controlled House. So what's your argument? Well, I'm trying to get used to the same puns over and over again. I'm, I'm <laughs> Sorry about that, I guess marijuana is not habit-forming, but making puns about it is. Um, the answer is that everything has to start somewhere. I think the general public, frankly, on this issue is more enlightened than my colleagues. In state after state, referenda have cut back on marijuana uh, restrictions. We have a number of states that allow people to use it for medical purposes, a couple, Massachusetts and Maine, where it's not a crime. I don't think the federal government ought to be imposing that. Personally, as a resident of Massachusetts, I also voted to say that if a 40-year-old wants to smoke marijuana, that's his or her business. Um, As to, uh, is it going to pass? Look, if I were only going to be talking about things that I thought that could pass in the current Republican House, I'd take several months off. Um, but the purpose of legislation is to begin a dialogue in some cases. Yeah. I think what my colleagues are going to find is that there are a larger <coughs> number of their constituents who support personal freedom. And that's why Ron Paul and I are together on this. And by the way, Ron Paul and I have been together in other areas, like removing the restriction on people gambling on the Internet. Uh, he and I have been joined in opposing the Patriot Act. We have a common interest in protecting people's freedom from uh, unnecessary government intrusion. But uh, the reason for filing it now is to, to get this discussion going yeah the reason for filing it now was to distract from everything else that, that's just so clear and and i think ron paul is like oh brother he's got to do this now this douchebag and so what are you going to do john if if uh, if you're now you and i of course we're uh, media experts and um we know exactly how to run news channels, etc. Who would you bring on as a guest if, uh, if once again, if you wanted to, of course, marginalize every other conversation, anything that's important, like killing brown people in deserts with our tax dollar funded hellfire missiles? Who would you bring on as a guest? Who, who would be the perfect weed guy? A weed guy yeah, after yeah, uh, yeah, Barney yeah. Franks? Yeah, and I mean, he's introducing the bill, but if you, I mean, we've got to fill up the channel with weed talk now. 
So yeah, who, well, actually, if it was me, I'd bring on Arnold Schwarzenegger, but that, that's, <laughs> no, 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 that's no. another story. Well, who'd, yeah. who'd they bring? Yeah, Tommy Chong, of course. you got to bring, like, the stoner oh, dude in. Oh, right. It's <laughs> probably the most surprising story of the... <laughs> surprising. It's just ridiculous. <laughs> A very unlikely pair of political bedfellows stepped into the war on drugs today. Republican Aww. presidential candidate Ron Paul, Paul and Democratic Senator Barney Frank, <sighs> all odd couples, announced... <laughs> gay references, odd couples. Uh. A bill that would, in effect legalize marijuana by doing away with federal laws and leaving the pot problem up to the states. Ron Paul, legalizing marijuana. Go figure on that one. Well, the feds would continue in... What does that mean, go figure on that what one? What do you mean? Well, hold on a second. Well, he is implying with that go figure that because he's a Republican, Republican or because right. he's a... Exactly. He doesn't even know Ron Paul, exactly, obviously. Exactly. All he knows is Tommy Chung so is what, on. So what channel was this? What idiot was this? This is um, also MSNBC. Wow. Yeah, they were all over that. Enforcing international and interstate drug smuggling laws, but states would decide for themselves whether citizens could grow and sell it. This is undeniably a long shot in terms of legislation, but it is true. Why is it undeniably a long shot in, in terms of legislation? I don't see it such a long shot. We have legal marijuana in many states. Interesting that this comes Getting up. Buzz. Oh, buzz. <laughs> Hilarious, you scriptwriters. So, should we even consider legalizing pot? Here to take sides are actor and marijuana advocate Tommy Chong. You all know him from the movies. And Paul Chabot, former senior Check advisor on drug Check policy <laughs> to the Clinton and second Bush administrations. Welcome, gentlemen. Tommy, let me start with you. As far as I can tell, you've waited a lifetime for this to come along. <laughs> how much confidence do you have that it'll make it now? Now, how do you... <laughs> So first of all, oh, so funny. I got Tommy Chong. He's a perfect guy to talk about weed. What do you think Tommy Chong is going to say? He has not been briefed, by the way. <laughs> yeah, oh, he's not- probably, I don't know, but this should be good. <laughs> it's, it's great. I think he before the interview, he smoked the largest doobie ever. <laughs> oh, God. I don't have any confidence whatsoever. <laughs> I think it's just a political, like, a, it's, it's, it's like the rest, you know. Uh, and that's how the whole interview goes. Tommy's just like, I, <laughs> So there you go. Complete distraction of the week. Thank you very much, everybody. And I, it's a total obvious hit from uh, whoever is running the real country to introduce this right now. The same day that we have this uh, discussion, more important than the actual vote, probably, about Libya. It's just very disturbing. Jeez. <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah, yeah, it's pretty embarrassing. The fact that they, the media just bought it hook, line, and sinker. You know, heck with the war, who cares about that? Yeah, it's old news. We don't have any good footage. I, I, I was watching... Um, Who's the douche? Um, uh, come on, from HBO, the talk show guy, the, the uh, real to Bill Maher. I was watching his show, and his audience is uh, is now you, you, is now. You could actually watch it this time. Huh? You know why? I get you know the last. No, one. because he's he's now saying, "Hey, wait a minute! I'm really disappointed in what uh, Obama's doing. What is this? Five thousand troops? This is dumb." And the audience, you know, they actually they're all mind controlled MK Ultra slaves. They all want. They all want to, you know, be like, yeah, Obama, yeah. And now Bill Maher's going like, well, this sucks. And the audience is not, they're like, they don't know what to do. They're dumbfounded. Like, uh, 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 uh what? And, 
seriously, yeah, it's 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 very very interesting uh, what's going on. Just there was so much; it was mind-boggling. Then, of course, New York legalized uh, gay marriage. Yeah, I got a gay marriage clip, and I think this this is one of the mixed messages when I do my New York Times uh, takedown in the second half of the show. Uh, it's like, Repu- you know, this is the first time that the Senate at the, in New York uh, State has been dominated by Republicans. And it's the Republicans who uh, push through the gay marriage thing, which which is loaded with mixed messages. And and it's kind of explained, even though I don't think it's very well explained in this clip. Is this mixed messages? Yeah. Uh, is it? Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> there were actually, though, Maureen, some influential Republican donors who played a big role uh, and getting this passed. Yes, and you know, it's fascinating that the year this goes through in the New York Senate is the year that the New York Senate is controlled by Republicans. Andrew Cuomo worked really hard with a group of powerful, libertarian-leaning Republican donors, particularly hedge fund managers that were donating a lot of money, both to fight against the campaigns of those who had opposed the original and the initial 2009 bill, and also to encourage Republicans who are willing to flip sides to say that we're going to campaign for you if you're willing to flip sides and vote for the gay marriage vote. Act. So there. So it's like, I guess, libertarian gay hedge fund managers. <laughs> I mean, it's kind of one of the messages. The other other message is that the republic, the libertarians are good guys, which is is a good message. But there's also the message that the Republicans will do anything for money. <laughs> yeah. Well, and and. And the other message is that the Democrats can't get anything done. And by the way, I want to mention something here, which is just another pet peeve of mine, which I'll bitch about over the next number of years. California, which is dominantly a Democrat state with a Democrat assembly and a Democrat Senate and a Democrat, now a Democrat governor, which is pretty typical. They can't pass gay marriage in the Senate and House here, even though they keep putting it up for the electorate, which keeps voting it down. They can't. They could do it in the legislature. They won't do it. And then the entire state, which is a state full of Democrats, won't even the entire state of Democrats, after moaning and groaning for years, will not even legalize marijuana. What is wrong with these Democrats? Yeah, I, you know, as a bicurious male, I, I'm very conflicted about the whole thing. So, you know, this is the two things we've received this year. One is the so-called uh, repeal of "Don't Ask, Don't Tell," and 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 my brothers and bogus. Si- yeah, it's bogus. But it, my brothers and sisters don't know better. They think it's now okay for gays and lesbians to be in the military, which is not. Wait a minute, your brothers and sisters. yes, I'm a bicurious male. I don't have to tell you this. So you're now in the in you're putting yourself in that camp. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. And by the way, uh, I think that uh, I feel slighted that uh, in gay, lesbian, transgendered week, month, uh, Bicurious was not included. Uh, But uh, I'm confused because why are we all partying in New York today? It's going to be complete pandemonium. There's huge parties planned. Everyone's going to be partying in the streets, drunk and, you know, you get married. Yeah. In New York, you get to pay extra taxes when you're married. Congratulations. You know, don't ask, don't tell. Hey, now you can go get killed in the desert. Congratulations. This is powerful mojo. I don't understand why we're also, I mean, I understand why, you know, we feel uh, that we should be treated equally. But why celebrate this? You know, I mean, John, you and I have both uh, had uh, long uh, lasting marriages, multiple. (laughs) And uh, at the end of the day, what is it? It's a pain in the ass. Isn't it a hassle? Well, it is from the perspective of the government intrusion. Yes. 
my point exactly. And, and it's like, whoa, it's sad to me that people are all happy about this. You don't know what's coming. And it's something very powerful. You know, this is a this is a big power that's been that's now in the hands of the the state officials. They can take it back. They can change things. They can do all kinds of stuff. I know. I just wouldn't be all that happy about uh, about all the the extra taxes. By the way, is it who sent us that note? Is it now discriminatory? Where since uh, gay marriage is now recognized in the state of New York, but you won't have to. Um, be subject to an extra marriage tax on your federal income because the uh, the the federal government doesn't recognize it. Does that mean I that? Have no it's- idea. I'm not a tax lawyer, and I don't purport to be one. But you know what I'm Even saying. I, right? was, well, I did once go through the tax. Uh, <laughs> uh, uh, There's a certification process. <laughs> you, you went to you went to school. Yeah. For this, really, to get a tax, or so you could do taxes. You, I was certificated as a tax uh, expert. And to be honest about it, I couldn't do taxes today if I wanted to. I mean, it's like they, they – because every time they do the Tax Simplification Act, they, Congress does it. They simplify and simplify. Yeah. The tax code gets bigger and bigger and bigger, and it, now it's impossible. I think – what is it now? 1,600 pages or something? It's ridiculous. It's, it's If they would just go to flat tax and give up on this whole thing, it would be great. I got to tell in California, yeah, I don't know how much longer we can live here. You know, Mickey had that art expo, right? Um, and she had art come in from the Netherlands from a Dutch artist. And uh, it was insured, you know, and it had, I think, a, a value, insured value of $92,000 or something. And she shipped it over, and she shipped it, you know, straight to the uh, to the venue, and Mickey had to sign for it. You know what shows up yesterday? A, uh, a, a bill, bill. A bill for use for tax. Use for tax. Use. Use. A use tax? A use 9.7%. So said, What's no, a use tax? It's it's exactly the same as the sales tax in California. If you buy stuff over the internet or otherwise from out of state, uh, even if it's from overseas, whatever, uh, you have to pay a use a use tax, almost ten percent. It's unbelievable. Every time you turn around, you there's some tax, some fee. I I, li- all- I literally thought it was a joke. I'm like, oh, this is, this is a joke letter. This is from this is like a scam. You know, like someone figures knows how to track customs or something, and they just send this to you, thinking if you're stupid, you're going to send off the check. But it's real. Now, of course, wow. we sent everything back, excluded what was sold. Um, you know, so they said, oh, as long- I got to go fight it. Yes, it said. Well, as long as you can prove that it was shipped back and the same value, you know, it's, it's going to be a nightmare. I know it. It's going to be a nightmare. I just, a use tax. I, I I don't understand. How do they come up with this stuff? Got to move. That's weird. That's from Cal- the state of California. State of California. Yeah, yeah. The great state, I might add. Maybe we should move to Texas. Maybe that's better. Texas is a lot better. You know, we got uh, we got Rick Perry there, and you can always follow me on Twitter. <laughs> he had another- That's the problem with Texas, right there. <laughs> he he had- just summarized it. He had another one. Uh, so uh, that was really funny. Uh, I guess apparently he called some journalist a mofo. Uh, oh during- no! Yeah, here it is. Adios, mofo. <laughs> <laughs> Does he even know what that means? Uh, well, he knows what the tweet and is. And you can on. always follow me on Twitter. <laughs> Adios, mofo. Mofo. That's a great clip. Isn't that great? Well, it, and but this is not. This is from his uh, gubernatorial campaign. So it's uh, you know apparently it's uh, it's not new. Adios, <laughs> mofo. <laughs> Play that again. It's just too funny. It is. It is one of my favorites, actually. Adios, 
mofo. Adios, mofo. I've been practicing. <laughs> I've been practicing a him. But I think he's out now. Now that he did the tweeters, now it's uh, Christy from uh, New Jersey. Now he's the new. Uh, well, Christy's been promoted for quite a while, so that's not. I don't consider that new. He's the new boy. Nah, I don't know because he pa- he he balanced the budget or something by screwing everybody. <laughs> yeah, by screwing everybody. <laughs> it's like, hey, you know what? Screw you. Oh, okay. Hey. Anyway, so it was there was a lot going on. There really was, and uh, quite interesting. But man, that uh, testimony in uh, in the house about Libya, oh, about three hours. It was. Did you watch any of it? No, thank God. Yeah, yeah, I, I watch just about everything. I got a lot of clips, but I didn't really spend a lot of time on uh, on as much time on C-SPAN as normal. Yeah, I, I did get a couple. I ended up watching some movies. I got some old movie stuff. Uh, <laughs> Great, some bad I, acting. I, I got into the Whitey Bulger story because it's. I it's see, a, I, I don't understand the. What, should we thank some uh, producers first and then get into the? Because I don't understand this Whitey Bulger story. I have no idea what it's about. Yeah, it's a actually it's a monster story for for a very interesting reason. Let's start. Let's thank some of our uh, executive producers for today's show. We have uh, one, two, three, four, five, six executive producers, uh, including uh, Matthew Moss, uh, Long Beach, California, donation for show three thirty three, a podcast license, and six seventeen to blow to 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 blow on some hookers. Hot pockets. Thank you. I need a shot of karma to help me get downsized. You've got karma. You mean to help him with the downsizing, or he wants yeah, to get downsized? Uh, there's a check roaming around here somewhere that needs to be reissued. Uh, Matt Coglin, Crescent City, California. Matt Coglin, uh, three thirty-three thirty-three. He's got a note. We'll have to dig up for the uh, break. Chris Ruddy, uh, New York. This is a check that came in for three sixteen that should have made him a knight if he hasn't already been named a knight. And the problem is we're having now these these two channels of uh, in, incomes that don't necessarily don't end up on the spreadsheet properly. Uh, Russell Keller, three sixteen, Glendale, California. These are both for uh, the show three sixteen. Three sixteen club, yeah, which is great. Just realized I've been a douchebag thanks to PayPal bastards. <laughs> Please accept this attempt to make up the douche me. Yeah, absolutely happy to do that. You've been deduced. <coughs> and Varen von von Pelsmacher's decided to to, to uh, come in from Belgium and give us three sixteen. He likes that number, so he's a member of the three sixteen club. In the morning, gentlemen, reminder to all douchebags who listen and don't contribute: it's never too late to change your ways. You'll feel better, I promise you. Uh, where else can I get this? quality of analysis where i ask you yes no thank you so much uh, baron stephen pelsmachers uh, baron of belgium by the way baron of belgium yeah exactly uh and janice kang who's uh, given before and i think she's been knighted you're gonna have to look it up and uh she is in for three hundred dollars also, one associate executive producer, Jeff Juniper, Whitehorse, Yukon, Canada. I would appreciate some karma for a new relationship and a long-term sweetheart. You've got karma. New relationship with a long-term sweetheart and a new business venture. Oh, great. Also, also he wants you to toss in a chemtrails. <laughs> chemtrails. <laughs> That would make his day. Which by by your made. command, by your command, my friend. By your command. One more time. Chemtrails. 
I haven't. You know, uh, I got to tell you, I have not seen. Any in a long, I guess there's no airplanes flying apparently. Now. Yeah, I guess the there's, moisture content in the air is down quite a bit. Yeah, or Thank they just you, aren't chemtrailing. For your excellent work in entertainment, best regards, your friend in the north. He's in Yukon. Mm-hmm. White Horse Yukon. Can you imagine? And that is our executive producer list. I uh, may have one more here that came, got mailed in. Well, what? Uh, Chris and Janice, and no, that's it. Yeah. So that'll be it for today's uh, show. 316, we have three members of 316 Club. I want to thank everybody who donated that much and uh, it's, uh, us it's out. Yeah, it's what supports the show. It's what keeps the show running, it, which keeps us watching C-SPAN without having to have any other discernible vocation. Dvorak.org. Slash N-A. And then a couple of PR mentions. Happy birthday to NoAgendaEntertainment.com. One year old today. They are celebrating their anniversary. And uh, this is uh, Dave Bryan. Very happy to be part of the community that you and your listeners build. I say the listeners uh, have built, obviously. Um, a, uh, this came through the, t- the tweeters. This came, that came on the tweeter. And you can always follow me on Twitter. Uh, this came through the tweeter. Uh, and let me just see if I can see who tweeted it. Because it wasn't usually people will say something on uh, on email. It's from GLM two sixteen on Twitter. Uh, Adam, uh, I can't believe this wasn't registered. It's a throwback to a previous show. Uh, I can't believe it. Sandtacos.com. now forwarding to uh, <laughs> noagendashow.com. Very nice. This is, of course sand tacos. Sand tacos. <laughs> Wow, that's a good one. Yeah, it's, I can't believe it wasn't registered. So if you that's a good name of a restaurant, Sand. <laughs> hey, I'm Adam. This is John. We want to welcome you to Sand Tacos. That's right. We have thirty percent beef and eighty percent other stuff. Some call it silicon. We call it sand. Sand Tacos. Enjoy. <laughs> that was pretty good. See if somebody can get us wood tacos where we're at. <laughs> wood chip tacos. Well, I'm going to put it on poopburger.com. Uh, so, I we have I have poopburger.com. I, yeah, I, you got that one though, didn't you? Yeah, yeah, I, I nailed that one. He grabbed it. You know. Um, so the, the BS filter, which uh, translates the internet to what it really should be, has moved location. Uh, we are now hosting it. Um, the human resource who was uh, maintaining that really didn't have time to maintain the website, uh, but he will continue to to maintain the uh, the filter. So you can now find it at bsfilter.nashownotes.com. nashownotes.com, of course, uh, the main uh, site for all things show notes related. Uh, today's show notes for today's episode can be found at 316.nashownotes.com. And then finally, this is pretty much my favorite domain name, Ford. And by the way, we're 450 domain names and counting now registered by independent uh, producers of the program, uh, all pointing to no, uh, noagendashow.com. Right, and we're believing this may be a Guinness Book of World. Somebody suggested this, one of our yep. producers. Yep. Maybe so, a Guinness Book of World Records, because these are not uh, things that we're forwarding to ourselves, like like the douchebags that do this sort of thing. Uh, these are people that have created it, and they're forwarding it to us. So, I mean, this are, these aren't owned by us. So, um, yeah, that would be great if we could get into the... Uh, I think once we get over 500, it's pretty substantial. I'm just checking to see uh, if... Because uh, when I say these things and people go to the website, it like brings down the entire site. <laughs> <laughs> it's crunching. We uh, haven't got that many people yeah. in the chat room. No, nah, nah, we're doing pretty good. Yeah. So this has got to be my, my most disfavoredest. 
This is uh, from Ryan Hoskins. After listening to No Agenda episode 314, hearing that clip where the new leader of Al-Qaeda, Al-Zahari, is being called the new CEO, I was thinking the next step is very obvious for Al-Qaeda. So I purchased a domain name and forwarding it to noagendashow.com, alqaedaipo.com. <laughs> That's right. These guys, you know it. They're going to go public. <laughs> it's so beautiful. That is funny. That'll get a knock on the door. What do you mean? I don't know. I just get the sense that somebody doesn't have a sense of humor down at the uh, State Department. Yeah. Like, hey, man, that's, that's just not funny, man. You know, yeah. But wouldn't it be cool if they actually went public? Yeah, like Al Qaeda. Why not? They have a magazine. <laughs> they got a yeah. They got a magazine. They got, they got a, a CEO magazine and a website. Yeah, who who's the CFO of that puppy? Absolutely. Uh, so we appreciate uh, all this fantastic PR work. Uh, anything else you can do is always mentioned at the top of the show. And of course, thanks to our associate executive producer Jeff Juniper, our executive producers, and 316 club members Matt Coglin, Chris Ruddy, Russell Keller, Baron Stephen Pelsmachers. And uh, other executive producer, uh, Matthew Moss, for uh, supporting the No Agenda program. Without you, it cannot be done. Uh, it is uh, the model that we've chosen. And uh, at least we're living the American dream, which is barely be- getting by. And uh, so the president should be proud of us. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Now, you can always do one thing to help us out, and that is propagate our formula. Our formula is this. We go out. We hit people in the mouth. Say it with me, everybody. Shut up, slave. Quick note that uh, we flipped the switch on Saturday. And uh, noagendastream.com is now all talk. And uh, we don't have enough programming. Obviously, but we had to flip the switch sometime. So if you have an account on the No Agenda News Network system, noagendanewsnetwork.com, uh, you can contribute just by uh, when you make a new uh, post. Just click the enclosure button, uh, add your MP3 file, and it'll automatically flow into the system. Of course, uh, the usual suspects have been all over it. Rhino the Bearded. Uh, we've been playing uh, Dvorak Horowitz, which people like. The uh, Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged. Um, and, uh, the den man, God, he has a great voice. You should hear this guy's pipes. Uh, I, this is the den man. I want to talk to you about cybersecurity. <laughs> it's really cool. So, um, no more, no more illegal music. It's all talk, no commercials, no agenda. And if you want a, an account, just hit me up and I'll be happy to set you up. So, uh, why bulger? Yeah, tell me about this story. Okay, Whitey, I'll, I'll, I have some clips, but we, I'll just kind of summarize a lot of this. Uh, the FBI, if you know, it had an announcement. Uh, they put out a, a, a thing out of the blue. They decided to do a public relations thing trying to capture this guy, Whitey Bulger, has been on the run since about 1995. He was the head of the Irish Mafia, and, and he was the main character that was portrayed in the movie The Departed. I didn't see the movie, unfortunately. The Scorsese movie where there's this, this huge head of a big crime syndicate who's also working for the FBI. Uh-huh. 
And the FBI protected this guy all the years while he was killing people, especially people that had any evidence against him that the FBI would find. The FBI would find some guy who was like, hey, I think this guy's going to try to testify against you in the case, and Bolger would have him killed. In the process, Bolger also killed a lot of innocent civilians, which puts the government at huge risk for uh, liability issues. And so they, it's been so the, the, supposedly the Department of Justice has been covering this up because they were, you know, they, they set up one of their own, a couple of FBI agents as stooges to take the fall for what appeared to be like a whole bunch of people that were involved in this, you know, weird scam. Uh-huh. And it was explained in great detail on the Charlie Rose show recently by two uh, columnists, one for the Boston Globe and one for the New York Times, both of them saying that this, they, that, the, that there's something's fishy about this capture of this guy because. Well, you can play one of the clips that shows it's fishy. Play uh, the uh, PSA not heard in L.A. Oh, crap. I'm so sorry. My my fingers are too fat. Here we go. I was uh, just going to say that I had heard some of the same things that Kevin was talking about earlier today from some people in other law enforcement agencies saying that they just don't buy for a minute that this is the, the FBI story is actually how this came down. For what it's worth, they, they just think it's impossible that 48 hours pass after the latest attempt at a publicity campaign, and there have been several, and the magic bullet tip comes in. And, you know, some of the theories were that it, it was actually an informant that uh, wanted so much protection that they went ahead and made up this uh, this this story about the tipster and the, and the PSA campaign. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The PSAs maybe- didn't run... I'm sorry, Abby, I didn't mean to cut across you. The PSAs didn't even run in the Los Angeles market. Right. They ran in San Diego and San Francisco, apparently, but uh, not in Los Angeles. And the FBI, uh, the special agent in charge here, refused to confirm today whether the tipster had actually heard the PSA. Why is she almost crying? She is a nervous wreck. Yeah. She's (laughs) She's a New York Times reporter who is so... I, I've worked with people that get nervous on television. Oh, and they get all the red camera. and flustered, and they start to sweat, and it's like, ah, yeah, and they, I've and they never shake. Heard what, but a lot of them, you, you can't, even unless you're on the set, you don't notice how nervous they are if you're watching them. This woman must have been shaking like a leaf. She sounded like she was in tears. She was a wreck. She's never going to get invited back. She can't do TV. Right. But... But she had some good points. And, was, and the problem is, is when, when she's doing it and she's screwing it up, she's like, I'm never going to get back on this show. I'm never going to get back on this oh, show. Yeah, it I'm gets never, worse and worse. Yeah, it just gets horrible. Yeah. Although I have to, I, I, to, to change the topic just for a little inside baseball. I, I do remember this one, st- this one incident I had when I was at uh, Tech TV doing Silicon Spin. And I had this woman on who froze. <laughs> <laughs> Literally? Yeah, she froze. And she was just completely frozen and she couldn't even move her head. And she... <laughs> Kind of, uh, Could she breathe? Barely. Yeah. And she, she was glued to the table. She couldn't move her head, and she couldn't say anything but yes and no if you asked her anything. Oh, so, and, but we had four guests at the, and instead of a smaller group. So it was easy to just to bypass her because I got in my IFB. I got the, you're, she's frozen. You, you don't talk to her. Don't talk to her. Skip, skip to the next guest. Next guest. Next John, next guest. Camera three so, on the next so guest. We, Go. We basically just avoid her for the whole show. She comes up to me afterwards. And says, and wasn't I great? No. She <laughs> says, that was really fun. I hope you'll invite me back. <laughs> yeah. Uh, let me think. No. <laughs> so, oh, wow. 
So this poor woman is shaking like a leaf. But but this other guy, he's just both of them are saying this is a bunch of bull crap. The PSA wasn't even run in Los Angeles where he, where he came in. The whole thing was a something's fishy that's going on because. It appears as if the FBI has uh, something to hide. To, you think? They, yeah, they got a lot to hide. And but the funnier part of this whole episode was this. I got this Bulger World Travel clip. This is the funny part because I think one of the other things that was going on is that. Well, just play this clip and I'll explain. I I wrote a column a couple of years ago saying, you know, they they have sightings of him in London and Dublin and Rome. I, why did, why is there never like a sighting of him in Podgorica, Mont, Montenegro? It's always in these beautiful places that they have sightings, and you know P- the FBI agents would jump on a plane and fly out there. And it, it, it was—we've always questioned: were they really looking for him? And you know, um, the, the special agent in charge of the Boston office here addressed that today and said he knew that people didn't believe that they were out there, or that there were some people who didn't believe the FBI was really out there looking for him. But he contended that they never wavered. And, you know, I, I always looked at it, the guys, I know some guys on the task force, they've called me over the years asking me what I knew, especially when it came to this idea that he would go to Ireland, which is patent nonsense. The, the last place Whitey Bowser would have went to hide out is Ireland. But, um, you know, I have no doubts that the individual law enforcement officers on that task force to find him wanted to find him. The question is, how much backup was there? in pay grades above him and was the justice department has absolutely dragged its feet on many of these cases in which victims families have been seeking justice and apology and compensation let me ask you a question what does the irish mafia actually run what is their what's their uh, their racket it's just like any other mob uh, only they were running boston they, it's just like every all the mobs in the country were italian based except the irish mob in so, boston so this has got to have something to do with all the mob roll-ups then i mean there's something there is something going on that we, that there you, is something going that on we have not and anyway so the, the the funny thing about that clip was apparently the fbi would get these supposed tips and then they take a junket right it's like know, hey south of, he's down in the south of france let's go <laughs> Let, we need a yacht we need to pose as rich guys on a yacht yeah yeah that, yeah that'll do it so how much taxpayer money was sent shipping these FBI guys around on vacations? Oh, man. We should get in the The whole FBI. thing is a horrible, horrible scam, and this, yeah. uh, and this is finally <laughs> being wrapped up. But but uh, it's just going to continue for a while unless they kill the guy. The bo- oh, he'll, he'll go in jail in a, in a heartbeat. Hey, Whitey. Oops. Sorry. Didn't mean that. Unbelievable. Anyways, that's kind of the story, and it's, it's it's ongoing, and it has to do with the corruption in the uh, within the agency. Been looking at uh, Gitmo Nation lowlands. Uh, a couple things happened that were very interesting. One is, uh, you know, Geert Wilders, uh, who was being sued for inciting hatred. Well, of course, as we knew, it was just one big distraction. The court ruled uh, not guilty of inciting hatred, but some of his statements were on the edge. <laughs> On the edge. On the edge. How does that, what does that mean? Who gives a crap? Uh, but but this comes at the same time, and this is very interesting, because the Netherlands is, of course, known as one of the first, I would have to say one of the first countries in uh, the United States of Europe uh, that embraced the multicultural society. The idea of, you know, the Dutch, of course, have pretty much always just been Dutch, uh, and then they started uh, letting... Um, uh, it, well, they've always had uh, immigrants, uh, Italians, uh, British, 
but then it uh, became Muluckers, which, of course, uh, is a part of a protectorate. of, And somehow the Dutch owned all this stuff. Uh, but then in came Turks, Moroccans, and uh, stuff started to kind of become a little weird. And now there's a new integration bill. And the Dutch Minister of the Interior, Piet Hein Donner, huge evil elite, by the way, presented uh, this bill on June 16th. And he read in this translation, of course, the, gov- the government shares the social dissatisfaction over the multicultural society model and plans to shift priority to the values of the Dutch people. In the new integration system, the values of the Dutch society play a central role. With this change, the government steps away from the model of a multicultural society. And I think this is a big, big story. I think so, too. Not not that it's being covered anywhere, of course. Yeah. Um, uh, Continues, a more obligatory integration is justified because the government also demands that from its own citizens. It is necessary because otherwise the society gradually goes apart and eventually no one feels at home anymore. In the Netherlands, the integration will not be tailored to different groups, which is exactly what it was. And, And you have signs in Arabic and signs in Dutch. And uh, and it's not a typical immigration country. It's a very small country, and people. And, and so they, yeah, they can't absorb that. No. You, know, you might as well just. I mean, these are the war, old warring nation, and they're just absorbing people uh, left and right, and then they have to have signs in Arabic. Yeah. So uh, and so now we get uh, the Burqa ban uh, will uh, uh, go into place. Uh, not until two thousand thirteen. But this all kind of comes at the same time that Geert Wilders gets his uh, get-out-of-jail-free card with, a, you know, basically a, a stern little warning saying, hey, you know, uh, you can't do that. And uh, I just think it's interesting because the, in all of Europe, was kind of the whole idea was the multicultural society. And for uh, the Netherlands to step away from it first, I think it's a pretty, pretty big deal. Yeah, well, I'm surprised that the EU doesn't step in and tell them they can't do it. Yeah, well, the EU's got some other crap going on, I think. Haiku Herman came. (laughs) Haiku Herman. Did you hear about this? They they had this uh, meeting. Did you hear about his egg? No. This is great. So they had. Lady Gaga egg? Yeah, exactly. They had this uh, meeting of all the finance ministers, and Haiku Herman thought it was appropriate to hand out a folder. Like a four-color brochure, which by itself cost 100,000 euros to print up this brochure. What? Yeah, of what they're calling the egg. It's the new uh, Starfleet Command Center uh, building, which uh, costs 240 uh, million euros to build. Wow. A quarter of a billion euros, so half a billion dollars almost, to build. And it looks like an egg. And he's like, hey, I just want to keep you guys up to date. So, so here they are. They're discussing Greek slaves eating rats to, to pay off the banks. And Haiku Herman's at this meeting handing out four-color brochures about the egg where the Starfleet Command Council is going to see. And it's being built already. So it's just like, here's a little update, everybody. I mean, how disgusting is it to have this happen? And even the wow. – yeah, even – I think Barroso even went like – uh, okay, you should. Fit, this thing needs to get done quick and just uh, ex, you know quietly. Let's get it done. Shut up, haiku. Two hundred forty million euros to build an egg, and while the people of Greece starve. I mean, here's a Hermie. It's kind of hard to understand his atrocious English, but he's trying to trying to say that it's all under control. 
Extra money for Greece will come from both public and private sources, spreading the risks and costs. The euro area heads of state and government agree that required additional funding will be financed through both official and private sources. Okay, official and private sources. What does that mean? They endorse the approach decided by the Eurogroup on the 20th of June as regards the pursuit of voluntary private sector involvement in the form of informal and voluntary rollovers of existing debt. So let me just explain what that means. That means um, the slaves of the other states of Europe will pay the additional 30 billion euros that uh, Greece needs just to make their latest car payment. Uh, but the banks have a voluntary option to take a haircut. So it's, it's, so it's, not, it's, it's, it's unbelievable that no one explains this. And, and I think the Greek, I think the Greek, I think they actually understand what's going on. So the banks who are owed this money, and it is Goldman, it is JP Morgan, it is the bank, the French and German banks who are members of the European Central Bank, commercial banks who should just be taking a shafting for it. Instead, they're given the option, if they want, they can, you know, they could roll over a little bit and, you know, just give a little break and, oh, don't pay now. But they're not going to do that. So once, <laughs> of course the, not. Of course not. Like, it's vol- voluntary rollover of the loans. Like, please. <laughs> Meanwhile, excuse me, I have to get back to my egg. Where I write my haikus, they should they should go there and blow that egg up. Someone's got to do something about this. This is nuts. You think they'll ever get it? Well, the Greek thing is really interesting. There was a good. Uh, there was some woman was on the Greek. I guess she's a Greek politician in the Communist Party, and she actually made the most sense. And she was on uh, that show Newsnight, that thing that's on once a week at the BBC, which is kind of the right. 60 Minutes of England. And, with uh, Jeremy? On, Jeremy Paxton? Yeah, with Paxton. Yeah, he yeah, was I like on. It. I like that. He yeah. was grilling everybody. And uh, they had a conservative from the, uh, from the uh, UK and her, and they were in agreement on everything. It's kind of like uh, watching Kucinich and, and Ron, Ron Paul. Paul agree on certain things. But uh, play the, you know, just a couple of little feeling for this Greece thing. Why don't you play Greece Rant 1? I how far you think the elites in Europe are disconnected from the people in Europe. And that's true of your government as well. It's true of the government of Greece. Definitely they are completely disconnected. I think that it's like an autocracy. And we're going back about 300 years. We lose every working class right. We're losing things that uh, European people fought for that, and there is no future. My dear, Eurozone is not a state. It's just an area. Some make money. I think that the North is making money while the South loses. You can't have the same currency, the same measures, with exporting countries like Germany and importing countries like Greece. And after all, you can't have people saying, I did a mistake. I trusted you. I put you in. If you go to any back in London. You know, there's a meme here, which I picked up on. If I can just interrupt your two Greece clips. There yeah. is something going on in uh, amongst the elites. They are now segregating elites from the political elites. And I caught this with Lucifer Clinton. 
Oh, really? Yes, I did. And you're seeing this pop up everywhere. Now the politicians are calling out the elites, where, of course, the politicians actually are the elites. But if you don't have a political badge, so there's like there's some kind of thing going on. Listen to well, well let me well, let, let, let play the clip. Right, because here we are listening to Newsnight uh-huh. and the and the host is using the word elite. Mm hmm. Uh, which is I, I thought was actually kind of unusual to begin with, and now that you mention it, they're obviously going to bring. By the way, we've been using the term elite a long time, a long for time. years, yeah, since the beginning of the show. Just specifically refer to the same people they're referring to here. So yeah, and but they now it's becoming they're moving it over. For some reason, you're probably right, but exactly what this maybe it's a battle of the elites. But whatever the case is, is definitely something we have to keep an eye on. She. Uh, was you know did what she had to talk about had nothing to do with what what you noticed but well um, let me play the Lucifer clip and then we can get back yeah, to Greece it. now she's talking about uh, the Arab Spring in relation to uh, I can't remember if it was Libya or Syria does it matter no Pakistan now she's talking that's right Pakistan this was part of the uh, all part of the the financing bull crap. and he, what I think John is because people the common man like you and I you know. Uh, <laughs> The common douchebag with the podcast are are saying elites, 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 and they're hearing this now after all these years. I'm like, well, we better deflect some of this and make sure when people say elites, they're talking about the same people, the people who finance us but don't have the political badge. Listen to Hillary. Now, I would argue that is only part of the story because clearly there is at work in Pakistani society, and particularly among the elite, which, let us remember, manipulate public opinion to a great extent to further what they view as either national or sectoral or even personal interests. So I think we have to recognize that the over... So there it is. She That's just, a great quote. She just described herself, basically. Yeah. Yeah, manip- and she says, "Remember, like, oh, sorry, is this a, is this a, in history lesson somewhere that I had to remember about how what elites do? I'm play watching you do again. it, Hillary. You have to play that clip over again. I got to hear it from the beginning. Okay, hold on, let me play that for you. Now, I would argue that is only part of the story, because clearly there is at work in Pakistani society, and particularly among the elite, which, let us remember, manipulate public opinion to a great extent to further what they view as either national or sectoral or even personal interests. Yeah, exactly. Let us remember. What? What do we have to remember? It's very interesting. That clip is interesting. That's, that clip is deep. Yep. That's that's why it caught my eye. Or ear, really, rather. So huh. there is something going on with this anti-elitist movement, and I believe it's, it is a protectionist measure of the political elite to deflect the anger towards the you know, the people who finance them, essentially. Yeah, they don't want the mobs running up into, the, you know, the right. Hillsboro, California, and t- burning down the rich people's homes. Exactly. 
And I think, of course, Greece is, is you have to start doing this now because you got this has got to throw some water on the fire. They're going crazy and they're going to be throwing bricks through your window. And then you got the Spanish that are ready to do that because they've got, you know, borderline, if not already rioting going on. I don't know about the Portuguese because nobody's re- they talk about Portugal, but they never report anything. And the same with the Irish. We don't know what's going on. Nobody reports anything. No. Well, CNN actually. You want to play the uh, the the Greece rant too? Is that something we want to listen to? Yeah, the to? Greece rant too is just good backgrounder that I think people should. This is just something you should consider. This is, I think, the real rant about you know the way people are handling uh, and talking about Greece. This woman, I think, has a good argument to make. Loud into the euro in the first place. You didn't meet the conditions, and now it's obvious why. I've been listening about mathematics, and I've been listening about economy. You cannot judge a country like if it was a big company, a huge company like Lehman Brothers. This is a country, this is a state, and this is a state of living human beings, very hardly working people. So when Lehman Brothers fell down and blew out the whole system, nobody accused the employees of Lehman Brothers. They accused the system, they accused the directors, so it is a political problem. Europe, and I've been listening about 27 democracies, with what kind of growth, what kind of economic system. Some of them were created after wars. We had the Yugoslavia, now we have three, four, five different states. We've got different economies, we've got different interests, and we cannot have a Europe that uses Euro as a weapon to colonize poorer countries or different system countries. So, the problem now for Greece, it's not only surviving, it's designing the future. You cannot expect anybody to have a state with no future. Okay, we'll leave it there. Thank you all. (laughs) Yeah. Cut her off. Yeah. Shut up. You're making too much sense. Shut up. Be quiet. Get her off. Cut her off now. Yeah, it's... uh... Oh well, you know that reminds me of the the way they cut her off. And I saw I've been watching a lot of people getting cut, cut off. That off yeah. on the CNN report, yeah. but also with Charlie Rose and those Whitey Bulger uh, quotes. There was every time they'd go into the FBI and the corruption, potential corruption, and big shots that need to be brought down. Rose would change the subject to, "So how is right Whitey Bulger like the guy in The Departed?" <laughs> right. Just throw in a question about the movie. Right, right back to the uh, yeah, exactly. Tell me about the sexuality. It's in your DNA. That's right. That's a real Charlie Rose question right there. So so with all of this actual news going on and people, uh, I was trying to explain to my neighbors, and they had us over for cocktails last night. Cocktails. Cocktails. Yeah. yeah my neighbors are nice. The Gabers, we call them. Hope they're not listening because they, they will never invite me back. No, they don't care. No, they really don't. But it's funny because, you know, they're uh, two uh, middle-aged guys. They're like uh, 60. Close, yeah, close to 60. And uh, you know, they, they. I think they voted for Obama, but you know, they're like kind of. They really are kind of uh, right wing conservative in a lot of their thinking. It's very interesting. And uh, they said, "Hey, have you ever read uh, that uh, economic hitman book?" <laughs> like, <laughs> pour me another drink, bitch. <laughs> we we got to talk. Uh, but so all of this stuff is going on. All this news and people are kind of catching on. You were not the only alternative media outlet. Meanwhile, CNN, uh, you know, they, they apparently they can't do the reporting themselves anymore. Uh, <laughs> I, I, this blew me away. So we've got like, you know, what is the Fed doing? 
what is going to happen with joblessness? Uh, what? And this is all about the United States. We can't report on it, so CNN puts together the following awesome journalistic package. You can find them all over New York City. Psychics. Our first stop, Karen Thorne. He has one of the best charts. Reading the astrological signs of Fed Chairman Ben Bernanke, she sees hope for the global markets, even as key Fed economic stimulus ends. <laughs> Did you see this report by any chance? This is no, but I would have I probably would have recorded it too. This is pathetic. His moon sign, which is the person's other side, is Scorpio. <laughs> so the markets may not fall at the end of June when things are No, because I see him having success <laughs> primarily in July, August and uh. September. He, Ooh, this is and October. John, just so you know, he's gonna have success. In October, but it gets better. <laughs> this next guy is even better. In October, he's really, really happy. I don't think he would be, right? If things were going terribly. This says new people. Using cards he's used to tell the fortunes of stars like Princess Grace and John Lennon. And <laughs> yeah, how'd that work out for those two? <laughs> they get shot. Yeah, it's like you'll have a long and prosperous life, both of you. Oh, oh, oh I'm sorry. Also sees hope. For the U.S. economy, actually, it's not bad. Promising outlook, profitable changes. So come maybe later in you know September, October. Because we've got a, an August deadline for the debt ceiling to be raised, and if they are able to do that, then the United States sort of has a, a better path moving forward. Uh huh. So well, it does look like September. it does look like it uh -huh. will uh, improve. As for Greece, my feeling is that all of Europe is starting going to see what Greece is seeing. Other countries are going to see the same thing. You watch. For Serena Stanley. <laughs> Put your hands up. Wow, he's a clairvoyant. Oh, my gosh. And now the best one, she has to pick a card from the tarot. The cards. Feel it. And uh. then gravitate to the card that you think that's going to answer that question. Is there going to be job creation <laughs> enough to change the jobless number or the unemployment number, I should say, and that people will once again feel confident and have money in their pockets? What do you think is going to be, John? She pulls the card. Which card do you think it is? What will the card reveal? What will this investigative journalism from CNN tell us about the future of employment in our country? Well, if the if the tarot reader's any good, she's going to say, "Well, it looks like we're going to have continued unemployment for about eight years." Pull out a card. It's volatile. This is a four of cups card, so it's running all on emotions, and the emotions of people are angry. Skeptics may scoff. <laughs> it's the four of cups. So what? What does that mean? <laughs> it's volatile. The market's volatile. That's interesting. Never heard of such a thing. Can you believe that this is news? The fact that they would waste time on it, you mean? The whole package was three minutes. A three-minute package. they've done it like the bullshit show that is uh, called Bullshit, I think. Yeah. On, like on Showtime with uh, Penn and Teller. Penn and, Teller mm -hmm. and just, be, you know, shown, you know, it evidenced that there was, these guys are full of crap over the years and, you know, show... If they'd have done it as a story like that, with that conclusion, I would have said that was pretty good. But if they play it straight like the way you describe it, it's it, it's it's repugnant. No, oh, and a good word. And we have a jingle for that. Turn off your television. There you go. It's from Paul the Book Guy. A Jeff Smith. You know, who's original. running that place? CNN? Yeah. I don't know. Uh, we aren't because she was not hot. <laughs> if we were running it, we'd be. We could be like, all right. Well, we'll have to do this this segment then. Okay, but at least make her hot. Hey, 
before we get into anything else, I, this is something I didn't quite understand. You know, I, of course, went to whitehouse.gov, as I do as a good uh, human resource and uh, citizen of uh, Gitmo Nation, uh, to watch our president and to see his uh, weekly address, which is, again, all about manufacturing. we gotta, we got to get more slaves in the factories, which is where this whole anti-college meme is coming from. Uh, but then he's... we got it, no factories to put the slaves in. Oh, well, uh, yeah, I mean, pa- we have factories, but they're all there's not any new job. No, 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 no. We know there's a two million job mismatch. It's because we don't need people who can tighten bolts. We need people who can operate a computer to run the factory. Something it's something like that. Imbolt all over this. But uh, Carnegie Mellon. Now, Carnegie Mellon is that's a, a, a commercial college, isn't it? It's not a state college, if that's what you're asking. No, I mean, but you pay, I think it's... Uh, I it's check. a private a private university. Right, so it's $52,000 a semester uh, for the fall semester. Think, no, it can't be that high. I looked it up, fall 2011. For, it's like 48000 and then if you add the 6000 room and board, it's like it's like fifty two. Wow. Yeah, for uh, undergrad. Um, so the president's at uh, Carnegie Mellon. And, you know, he, he basically, it's a commercial. So, and, and, it's, and it's a commercial for the robot school at Carnegie Mellon. Yeah, I actually visited that robot school. Well, listen to what he says. So, first of all, he, he's clearly on a sales mission because, you know, how if, if you're doing sales and you go around and you have a little cheat sheet about who you're supposed to thank at the local thing, and he screws it up. He doesn't even know the guy's name. He's like, uh, 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 thank you. Hello, Pittsburgh. Hello, Pittsburgh. Buenas tardes. It is good to be back. <laughs> thank you, Senator Casey and Mayor uh, Ravenstall, uh, uh, County Executive Dan Honorado, State Auditor Jack War- uh, Wagner. Uh, <laughs> well, Jack Morgan and Wagner. Hey, buenas tardes. Uh, and all of you uh, for having me back. Here at Carnegie Mellon, uh, it uh, is good to be here, uh, uh, and it seems like every time I, I'm here, I learn something. So, for those of you who seems words are important, he's not really learning something. But now, listen to the pitch, and then listen to the weirdest comment ever. Uh, are thinking about Carnegie Mellon? Uh, it's a it's a terrific place, and and you guys are doing just great work. Uh, I just met with folks from some cutting edge companies and saw some of their inventions here in your National Robotics Engineering Center. Uh, But that's not the only reason I'm here. Uh, You might not know this, but uh, one of my responsibilities as Commander-in-Chief is to keep an eye on robots. Now, when he says that, my head whips. Like, really? You mean the other robot that's programmed to uh, go around the country? Is, (laughs) Is that... Well, and he says more. Wow. And I'm pleased to report that the robots you manufacture here seem peaceful. <laughs> oh, was he trying to be funny? And, well, and we can put in one more. At least for now. My goodness. Yeah, there you go. Proof. The president has a robot double. <laughs> the Manchurian robot from Pittsburgh. Hello, Pittsburgh! Buenas tardes! Guten Abend! I'm telling you, it's programmed. People don't believe me. 
Or you, is your theory that there's two Obamas. It's just now I'm adding to it the it's one. It's not a is, theory. It's proof. It's not a theory. What are we talking about? He actually... <laughs> he actually... Uh, he did screw up something really big. And, um, you know, I, I think for... You know the news media, when uh, Sarah Palin... Uh, screws up something like Paul Revere or whatever. I didn't. I don't even remember what the whole thing was. Oh, history lesson. And we have st- we have entire short form programs. A whole week of it. Oh. So um, the president goes to see the um, the tenth Mountain Division, I believe. And this actually got a lot of uh, servicemen pretty riled up about his. And this was like an eight minute speech. And it was uh, broadcast uh, live on television. And, of course, uh, if you want, you can uh, go back and take a look at the uh, the video. It's in the show notes at uh, 316.nashownotes.com. Have a listen to this. First time I saw the 10th Mountain Division, you guys were in southern Iraq. When I went back to visit uh, Afghanistan, you guys were the first ones there. Uh, you know, I had the great honor of seeing some of you because uh, a comrade of yours, uh, Jared Monte, was the first person who I was able to award uh, the Medal of Honor to uh, who actually came back uh, and wasn't uh, receiving it posthumously. Now, unfortunately, uh, Monte actually was awarded the Medal of Honor posthumously at, at that very ceremony that the president is talking about when he gave, uh, uh, I think it's Private Guanta, the Medal of Honor, who was alive. So he's the, he's screwing up the names of, you know, he's like, oh, I've got your back, and I, and I remember so well, and I, I'm completely with you. Yet he messes up the fact that Monty was alive and received the Medal of Honor, uh, not posthumously, while he actually did at that very ceremony. And, wow. pe- and people are very angry about this. Well, the veterans would be. They get angry about this stuff. But, you know, because the guy seems to be blasé. But, and, but you uh, know, the fact of the matter is you got this guy who's never at the White House. He's on the road constantly, and he's doing probably a speech a day. We only see a few of them because every once in a while you turn on CNN and it's like, or see a, a C-SPAN, and there he is giving a talk to somebody in some high school and it's like he's obviously like has to be an actor because they have to brief him just before the here's who you gotta make sure you thank this guy this guy this guy this guy this guy you don't they don't give him pronunciations and the guy's gonna botch it and he tries to memorize these things and And he's tired let's be honest this is not the robot he's the tie he's tired yeah you know they're giving him like uh, sleeping pills to sleep on the plane and then you, you, you get confused yeah, that's why these guys get so old so fast. Or they dope them up. That's right. Now listen. Now just before that, he he said something that wasn't necessarily a gaffe, but I was like, really? Uh, throughout my uh, service, uh, first as a senator and then as a presidential candidate. That's service. A presidential candidate. That's part of your service. Wow. Excuse me. Ten point catch. I like it. That's part. Hey, darling. How'd it go? Good. Okay. Part of your presidential, your service is presidential candidate. I'm sorry, that's just, just not. You weren't serving the service men. Ah, mm. service men and women. Anyway, so uh, I'm, I love it that uh, my service is president. My service is presidential candidate. My yeah. service is taking a nap. <laughs> 
Beep boop, beep boop, boop does not compute. Hello everybody, buenas tardes, guten Abend. Bienvenue, willkommen. Welcome to the White House. My service is presidential candidate. Hello everybody. Hey Pittsburgh, how you doing? That's a good catch. Yeah, well, th- that one I caught. The, uh, the other one was, of course, at least five service personnel uh, who listen to this program, we say, you know, this is pissing us off, and what's even making us more angry is no one's talking about it. You know, the guy should be called on it. He should say, I'm sorry. You know, but not pontificate and say, like, oh, you know, I got your back. When I was presidential uh, candidate, I got your back. Uh, I'm, I have no greater responsibility and honor than to send you to war in harm's way. What was your name, son? Weren't you dead? Sorry. <laughs> beep, boop, beep, boop, beep. Yeah, good one. Yeah, I hate to say it, but uh, yeah. I'm going to show my support by donating to No Agenda. Imagine all the people who could do that. Oh yeah, that'd be fab. Yeah, on No Agenda. Before you start, John, I'd just like to mention that uh, the podcast licenses are a hit. People are loving them. Some, I spend as much time on the show notes as I do now on... Because, you know, the podcast license is not just out of thin air. You know, I have to create it. I got to make the... I mean, it's it's relatively simple, but it's still manual labor because I have to create the domain name and I have to make sure I don't misspell it. Uh, I think we had 30 uh, podcast licenses. And uh, Christina was here, my uh, human resource. Uh, and uh, she brought her, uh, her, quote, friend over, Juan. And Juan. Uh, Juan, yeah, nice kid, nice kid from a uh, Corpus Christi, a Mexican kid, but uh, from from Texas. <laughs> and I immediately went, "Hey, I got a message here from your governor." And you can always follow me on Twitter. And he went like, "Yep, yeah, that's our governor on Twitter." An idiot, <laughs> y'all. He said he's an idiot. And uh, and he said, what, "What?" And I was talking about it with uh, Christina. He said, "What's a podcast license?" <gasps> you don't have one. I had him going for like five seconds. What do you mean? Well, it's in order to listen to podcasts, you have to have a podcast license. He's like, really? And and then he's like, oh, wait a minute. He said, yeah, you know, it's probably going to happen. I'm like, smart kid. I like this. Keep him around, Christina. I'm liking this kid. He's good. So they're on, right, they're so like fire. That people love him. Glad that you got that off your chest. Mm-hmm. So um, let's thank a few people. Uh, but I want to go back up and talk. I mentioned Matt Coughlin, who sent us three thirty three thirty three uh, for uh, on the for this episode, and he did send a note in. I wanted because he needs to be dropped on the birthday list. Oh, okay. It's his thirty third birthday on June twenty seventh, which is tomorrow, I believe. Um, he says he's going to feeling he has going to have a good year, but a little, he needs a little karma. Okay, let's hit him with that right now. You've got karma. And he's doing something a lot of people are doing. I want to mention, he says, I'm also upgrading my $5 a month subscription to the more numerologically appropriate 1111. And uh, he says he'll be a knight any minute now. And this is, is uh, and this is Matt, right? Yeah. Okay. Matt Coughlin. Yep. Let me make sure I got him on the birthday list. From Crescent City, which is a, used to be Floodsville, uh, which seems to have been moved to uh, North Dakota. Uh, Lee Callaghan, uh, Kilgallen, Lee Kilgallen in Feltham, Middlesex, UK, which is nice. We, we don't get as many UK donors as I'd like. Made a donation of one twenty one seventy six for this one. Uh, glad my grandma's bra story was a giggle. That's where it came from. <laughs> yeah. 
says it's absolutely true as well. Uh, by the way, it reminds me of the, the the breaking TSA story where they took some 95-year-old grandma and made her... Re- uh, Take off her adult diaper? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, awesome yeah. awesome work, guys. Yeah, good work. Yeah, way to go. Uh, and nobody, could, of course, you know, this continues to, to, to occur. Uh, he's got... 12176, which includes the 5510, double nickels on a dime, 3, 33 to 33 for a podcast license. You got to put them on the list. Yep. Uh, 3333 for the cost of my 101010 ring. I got one and know how much work you guys put in to cover the cost of getting it sorted. What 101010? I think he ring? means the 101010 coin. Okay. About uh, time I caught up some dough, I can also get a little karma. My uncle's been diagnosed with terminal cancer. Sorry, uh, so I'd like to go, uh, like to go to hit, give him the karma and his family once again. Okay, and well, absolutely. Wait, he, oh, sorry. No, that's okay. Give him that. And then he needs a douche, but they don't need to be at the same time. No, I want to give a separate karma for his uh, for his uncle. There you go. You've got karma. And then the de-douching for, uh, for Lee himself? Yeah. Right. You've been de-douched. Yeah, good. Now Lee's good to go. Uh, Don Herto in Homer, New York, which I think is a great name for a town, $75. Um, James Briscoe, who may or may not be a black knight, but he's not on the list at the moment. Bayshore, New York, uh, Hey, JCD, AC, and friends, I mailed in a fun donation about two weeks ago. Yes, we did get it. Whereupon I donated about 1,000 rupees. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> After hearing Adam pro- loudly proclaim, send us your rupees on show 310. Hoping to hear it read aloud, it was only $20 uh, <laughs> on the show in return for an executive producer level donation. Dream on. I got to shut up, I guess. This is not good no for the show. Dice. I guess my either my handwriting was too bad. By the way, your handwriting, it was. He, I do have his note here. His handwriting wasn't too bad. It was typed. <laughs> oh, really? Shitty typewriting and type, handwriting. Horrible. Uh, anyway, it's this 1,000 1, rupee note, which is now uh, behind a frame. And uh, when another 1,000 comes in, uh, that'll make it easier for us to split the bill. Uh, also, <laughs> enclose another uh, train schedule uh, from Rona Coco or something. I, I don't have it in front of me, but he wanted me to pronounce it because he knew I'd mispronounce it. So I just decided it's Ron Con Com, which is Ron Con Com. It's some some branch somewhere in the on the L Long Island Railroad. Anyway, he's uh, felt the need to donate to make up for some truly awful things I've said in the past to the love of my life by earning some good karma. Okay, well, that means a shot right there. You've got karma. He doesn't want our karma. <laughs> I can't take it back now. Seventy three eighty one from Briscoe. Mark Magpio in Cerritos, California. Needs a birthday shout out to his cousin Pip. Yeah, we got that one lined up. Pip. Pip. Who's turning thirty on the twenty fourth? That's uh, almost as bad as Henri. And Pip needs an in the morning. <laughs> All right, Pippi. In the morning. Then we have fifty dollars from Arthur Kessler, George Vanderhorst, Black Knight Vanderhorst to you. Uh, a couple of fifty dollar donations. We'll check on those and make sure that wasn't a mistake. John uh, Mazzarella in East Boston, Massachusetts, who must uh, know all about the Whitey Bulger thing. Hey guys, I'm a new listener and loving every minute of your show. Please accept my initial donation and request for de-douching. You've been de-douched. 
He recently graduated and starting a job at a state organization. The only way I can accept money from the government with a clean conscience is if I donate some of it uh, to you guys. And Hell finally, yeah. John, which is thank you very much, John. Yes. And the other John is John Tarada in Pasadena, California, who's donated 50 along with Peter Totes in Sugarland, Texas. And that'll be our... Uh, I do have a couple that came in over the transom, and I want to thank these people. Uh, Brian... Uh, um, Lastin, double nickels on the dime. Uh, <laughs> uh, he wants a shot of karma and a douchebag call out to Noodles Kid. Douchebag. You've got karma. Now we have $50, it looks like, from Waldo and Gitmo Nation Big Pharma. Where's yeah. that? Oh, hey, yeah, he's the one who won the douchebag call to Noodles Kid. Noodles Kid. Oh, uh, yeah, your, the Noodles. I don't have that. Uh, I don't have that clip handy. Uh, and finally, uh, I think that's about it. I well, do have I, a, I have a, I have a make good here that, uh, and I, and this was during the transition between uh, Eric and Buzzkill Junior. This is for Kelly Spears. This was supposed to happen on Father's Day, so we give uh, Kelly Spears wanted a, a belated Happy Father's Day shout out to her wonderful husband Aaron. Uh, now, Aaron does noagendafilms.com. Uh, he constantly raises the bar on what a father should be, and I'm very, very thankful to him uh, to, for having him as a dad. She also wants to say that she bought two books from freehollowbooks.com for her dad and for her father-in-law. They're awesome. All producers should check it out. So uh, we apologize, Kelly, that we didn't get that on Father's Day. But, of course, Father's Day itself is a retail scam. So um, I think every <laughs> totally yeah every, every every day can be Father's Day. So uh, we hope we make up with that. Um, there was a I like to pick things out of the the bag from time to time. In the morning, Adam and John says BK. I decided to give PayPal another chance and start a five dollar a month subscription, which we appreciate, of course, when people do that. Uh, so I can get uh, uh, regular, you know. All right. Uh, since times are tight, I resorted to some creative financing. I love Make Magazine, but I can get it all at the library, so I canceled my subscription there. Uh, I really like uh, Leo and all he does, but he has some pretty substantial sponsorships, so I canceled my monthly subscription there. All I have to do is kick in a few more bucks, and I can cover it for the year. If we get our pay cut back in July as, prom- back in July as promised, I'm looking forward to my first producer credit. Sad to admit to paying for something that really pisses me off. <laughs> But no agenda really does piss me off at times. I get so pissed, you have to report on this stuff. If I were a younger man, I would surely turn to anarchy from listening to no agenda. Uh, <laughs> anyway, he's in Detroit. We're trying to be funny here. We're trying to make yeah, trying to make, yeah, trying to make we're trying to turn anyone into a radical. I want the FBI and other people listening in to note that. <laughs> yeah, we are. Uh, well, we are kind of like a Lord Wolves, and you can find us. And you can always follow me on Twitter. That's right. That's where you can find us, everybody. So let's uh, do some uh, birthdays here for a second. It's your birthday, birthday. Oh, no All right, this is uh, what we just talked about. Mark Magpio uh, says happy birthday to Pip, who turned 30 on the 24th. And Matt Coglin, uh, one of our executive producers today, is celebrating his birthday tomorrow on the 27th. Happy birthday from all of your friends here at the No Agenda Program. It's your birthday, yeah. And, of course, the uh, the way to support this show and keep it running is by going to one address. org slash N-A. Should you have some troubles with that, you can always go to noagendanation.com. Uh, org sometimes is filtered out for uh, uh, 
inappropriate language and nudity. There's no inappropriate language nor nudity on that site, but the word uncensored tends to get uh, some uh, ISPs to just block it without ever looking at it. This is all mechanically done. It's, it's It's a scandal. It's It's abhorrent. Now, did we dame Janice Kang? Because I recall that we kind of, I think we did. So I'm not I sure. I think we did. But, uh, but, uh, but she's on the list again. Uh, that's my mistake. Okay, so, but if she's not, then it's your mistake as well, right? So we well, can she becomes a black knight. She, that's even better. Right. Uh, but we appreciate uh, every uh, form of support for the show, no matter how large or how small. Uh, particularly our $5 a month, our $11.11. Uh, those are the lucky subscriptions. Of course, the podcast licenses and the Mothership Boarding Pass um, and the numerology stuff is really good. Make sure that uh, if you can, you want to get on the 333. And remember, we've got our night rings. Yes, John? Oh, uh, yeah, okay. What were you going to say? And then I let well, you go. I, wanted, there was, I have a note, a handwritten note from Brian Laston, who... Uh, who gave us something. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah. The check got separated. Why don't you just grab your blade? Okay, here. Matthew Moss, Chris Ruddy, and Russell Keller, please step forward. The three of you have supported the No Agenda podcast program in excess of $1,000, or at least $1,000. If it's $999, we throw in the extra penny. Therefore, we proudly knight thee as follows. Matthew Moss, Sir Matthew, Sir Chris Ruddy, and Sir Russell Keller, you are all now Knights of the No Agenda Roundtable. Please take your well-deserved seat. Extend your finger for the ring. It's made of white gold and tungsten. When you hit someone in the mouth with it, it leaves a lasting impression. If you want to see him, uh, check it out at rings.nashownotes.com. We're going to have to do another order, I think, pretty soon. Uh. I noticed that. Yeah, I know. Ugh. Well, we saved for it. It took us like six months to get these out. Well, yeah, these but... Chinese vendors are inconsistent with the way they do stuff. <laughs> and, you know, you can't find a, a, an American company that'll make these rings anymore. Well, Jostens makes rings, but we can't... We, we can't... They're all outsourced. I guarantee they're yeah, shipping. No, I, 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 I know they are. But besides that, we can't put in an order big enough at, uh, at Jostens. Because, you know, we just, we just have a small select group of knights. Uh, but it's great, and I can't wait to be meeting all of you on the road. Uh, we're only a couple weeks away, John. July 15th is when Ms. Mickey and I take off, and uh, we start in Virginia at the at the, at the, uh, the Protectorate of Baroness Maggie Vincent of Virginia. She sent me a, a fun little note. She says, hey, you know, I'm looking at the RV, and uh, you might want to, like, uh, not go over 55, because I'm not too sure about the front tires. <laughs> <laughs> all right maggie uh just i'll pay for him put him on put some new tires on please now i'm worried what, what you have to look at the front tires yourself she might be conservative women have uh mixed they they're they're, they're not yeah but she's a techno, no offense she, to the women out there she's a techno expert can tell a front it, you tire know it doesn't matter i told her tires all around put the tire put new, i mean you know i'll figure out a way Yeah, you might as well put a couple of tires yeah on of course her. of course i think she spent you know, some real money on. Uh, she said she had kind of neglected it, so there were a couple things that had to be fixed up, like the well, generator. The story slowly changing. <laughs> it looks good on the outside. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be great. So we're very excited. And if you um, uh, have an idea for us for a stop along the way, please email Ms. Mickey. It's Mickey at uh, Curry dot com. M I C K Y. Uh, and you should also put in a little details. Uh, she asked specifically because people are just saying, "Hey, come by. I'm here." 
Now, so a couple of details uh, are uh, appreciated. And I also, on the uh, the hotpockets2008.com website, I put up a picture of the map. She's got a physical map with pins in it now. And uh, she's very serious. She's spending days on this now. You know, yeah, you, 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 know, you might want to also consider an alternative site since we keep plugging Hot Pockets 2008 tour in case you get a cease and desist from, <laughs> from you know, uh, Kraft or whoever makes that stuff. I think it's Nestle Foods. Oh, well, no, it's okay. It'll well, take them years to find out about what we're doing. <laughs> they're, like, they're like, it's an old site. It's 2008. What are we going to do about it? It doesn't matter now. <laughs> this is... And for those of you who are wondering, the reason why it's 2008 is because our president apparently has been reprogrammed to 2008 as he signed the guest book at the Westminster Abbey during his 2011 visit, Barack Obama, 2008. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it's time for our favorite topic on a Sunday afternoon, the only part of No Agenda where we actually do have an agenda. John's gonna hum the Sunday times. So if you can get a hold of this morning's Sunday times, uh, the the, the photo, or or go on the internet and see if you can find the photo, because every Sunday they have the worst photo. And this one talks about behind gay marriage and unlikely mix of forces, you know, with all these mixed messages about Republicans. Are they gay or why did they do it and the Democrats didn't? But when they show these guys, these the guys who are, I guess, behind it, they show a bunch of fat Republicans, fat white old men that just look like a bunch of douchebags. It's just unbelievable. And... Uh, What's the, the, what's the title of the story? I want to see if I can find it. The title of the story is Behind Gay Marriage or a Persuasive Cuomo. Right. I can't find the, it. The headline across the top of the paper is Behind Gay Marriage and Unlikely Mix of Forces. Then below that, the story is titled A Persuasive Cuomo, Rich Republicans in a Shifting Political Dynamic. And the story is filled with the memes and I don't even – I can't even deconstruct deconstruct it because it's so – it confuses me. Hey, and they're all like twiddling their thumbs and holding their hands. And yeah, like, there you go. It's like a you sweaty. It. Yeah, it's like a sweaty picture. Ugh. It's just a weird picture to have on it the front is. page. It's not flattering. No. Shows Cuomo surrounded by these guys. I mean, it could be a. How uh, many just, of them do you think are are uh, bi curious? I think the one in the middle, Cuomo. Uh, uh, look at the guy on the right. That guy? Yeah, he's like hey. he's a bear. <laughs> He's a total bear. So uh, then, okay, we, here's the stories. That are, there's nothing really to get into except just a, on the superficial basis because there's nothing really good on this front page at all. I mean, it's actually kind of pathetic. Insiders sound an alarm amid natural gas rush. They're talking about shale oil that is always never a good thing to extract, and they're trying to say that there's a natural gas bubble uh, in the market, which makes no sense since natural gas is de- one of the most depressed uh, energy sources in terms of price of anything available. So I'm not getting what the point of that is. A top TV sets a power drain runs nonstop. This is a story about uh, how set-top boxes are, are chewing up like... Uh, what? Well, they got a number here. Yeah, set you 40, 446 kilowatt hours a year. It, about 10% more than a 21 cubic foot energy efficient refrigerator. Who cares? Really? I don't know what the point of that one is. A construction boom in Gaza's lingering ruins is a real interesting story to me because this is kind of making it... I don't know if this is pro or anti-Israel, but they're trying to make it sound as though their building is a building boom going on in Gaza. 
uh, which is like, is that a good message or a bad message or is this anti-Israel? I'm not sure. The New York Times is notoriously anti-Israel, so I, I can't figure it out. And then finally, the last story, which is a bridge, which is an old story here in the Bay Area. And I don't know why it's, it's so promotional. Bridge comes to, the, the bridge they're building here, we're building a new span to the Bay Bridge. Which is way over budget cost. Hasn't they been they've been building that for like ten years? This guy is not going to be done till twenty fourteen. Right. Anyway, so they're building and building, and and all the pieces are from China, and this has been a scandal because every once in a while a piece comes over that is like not welded right, and they and, they, and luckily we have good inspectors who are check the welds, and they look in and say this is no good, <laughs> and so they had to either ship them is, back. Is that is that actually what they say? This yeah. is no good. I was an inspector once. That's what you say. You also write it up. You write down, uh, this is no good. This is no good. So the welds were no good. And so I don't know. They're shipping this thing back and forth and back and forth. I'm not sure. Whatever the case is, we're, we don't apparently have steel workers here anymore. So all the steel is being made in China. And then this this article is a very promotional piece. about, And it's written out of Shanghai by David Barboza. And he says, talk about outsourcing at a sprawling manufacturing complex here. Hundreds of Chinese laborers are now completing work on the San Francisco-Oakland Bay Bridge. And he goes on to promote the fact that China wants to become largest part of China's continual move up the global economic value chain from cheap toys to Apple iPads to commercial jetliners. Well, that's interesting. What commercial jetliners are the Chinese making? None know. that I know of, but it's uh-huh. apparently a hint. As it aims to become the world's civil engineer, which is not a good thing for anybody. Well, the Chinese are making jets, right? We we know they're making jets. I mean, they've got an they've got an aviation department somewhere. Yeah, they're making these mediocre jets, a second rate. <laughs> I wouldn't fly it. And but you know they yeah they could probably improve because they use you know they steal our technology and then they just incorporate it. But I don't know anything about, I mean, maybe they're making some parts of a Boeing jet. I detect an undertone of anti-Chinerism, John. That would don't count on it. From cheap toys to Apple iPads to commercial jetliners. What commercial jetliner is the Chinese making? Well, we'll find out. And if it flies like my iPad, we're in for fun. I I still have the iPad. That's the whole front page with the biggest Citibank ad at the bottom. Yeah, that's great. There's nothing. This this was a, this is really boring. Week. And this is the actual paper paper. Yeah. Yeah. I have it right here in front of me. Hear it? All right. So that concludes today's segment. John's gonna hum the Sunday Times. Now, I've been looking at a story, John, that is it bothers me. And you can probably almost immediately figure out why it bothers me. Uh, this is uh for the so what's the title of this? This came out on Associated Press, so you know it's the truth. It's about the power grid experiment. And I don't like experiments in general. When you know, I was like, oh, we're going to experiment on something. And I don't know if you heard about this. A year-long experiment with America's electric grid could mess up traffic lights, security systems, and some computers and make plug-in clocks and appliances like programmable coffee makers run up to 20 minutes fast. So apparently, huh? Yeah. How does a coffee maker run fast? Well, that means it'll make the coffee twenty minutes early. So oh. this is about the uh, the frequency of the power grid, which uh, we run at sixty cycles in uh, in the United States of Gitmo Nation. And uh, let me just read some of this article, and then maybe you can explain to me 
what's going on here. Uh, this is the U.S. Naval Observatory, um, who are quoted here. Since 1930, electric clocks have kept time based on the, right, the rate of the electrical current that powers them, which I believe to be true, uh, at least the ones you plug into the wall. If the current slips off its usual rate, like happened in Sicily, we were talking about this just a couple of weeks ago, where Sicily clocks were running like 15 seconds fast because they're not on the, they have their own grid or they don't, you know, they, I don't know what they do. They got hamsters and a wheel or something down there. So if the current slips off its usual rate, clocks run a little slower fast. Power companies now take steps to correct it and keep the frequency of the current and the time as precise as possible. The group that oversees the U.S. power grid is proposing an experiment that would allow more frequency variation than it does now without corrections. And the reason for this is to make uh, the power supply more reliable, save money, and reduce what may be needless effort. And this is supposed to start mid-July. What does it mean, needless effort? Well, apparently it's a pain in the ass to keep the thing running at 60 cycles. Doesn't make any sense. It's not like some guy's there with a big lever and he's or a big steering <laughs> oh, wheel. Oh, we're at fifty nine. Come on, <laughs> row, row the, faster, the... <laughs> row faster, slaves. <laughs> really? <laughs> I mean, what 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 effort does it take? Well, tweaking the power grid's frequency is expensive and takes a lot of effort," said Joe McLeland, head of electric reliability for the Federal Energy Regulation Regulatory Commission. If anyone using the grid to keep uh, is anyone using the grid to keep track of time, he said. Let's see if anyone complains if we eliminate it. I, I don't get it. Uh, this doesn't. What this sounds like to me is they're regulating the frequency of the power grid to regulate the slaves. Because I believe well, that, that's something you'd come up with. Well, I I totally believe it sounds that. Sounds to me as though here's what I th- would think immediately. Mm-hmm. There's some way of saving energy by changing the, the cycles per second, but still be able to bill the public for full <laughs> the full amount. In other words, gouge the customer. Right. Well, I like uh, that. <clears throat> through some mechanism that someone came up with. Look, if we do this at 58 cycles, we could actually make an extra $100,000 a month from these idiots. But it, actually, it could be detrimental to, uh, to some engines, uh, like your mixer, for instance. I mean, it, these things are tuned to run at 60 cycles, and then they could run hot. I mean, there's a lot of stuff. I, I think it's weird that they're just going to do this. And oh, Let's just see if anyone complains. And, and I, I remain uh, that electricity runs all around us. It's at a constant rate. I have a feeling that if you tune that down or tune it up, you can affect people's behavior. Yeah, you would think that. Well, it, can you combat my theorem? Yeah, it's bull crap. <laughs> In the morning. Okay. I do like your idea of hey, let's just let's just run this thing slow and charge them more. That's yeah, it. I mean, that's, that's what all everything else is doing. That's what they, the whole thing is just to gouge the public. The poor public is just taking it up to shorts. Nobody says anything because nobody's smart enough to, to to think to complain. I don't know. Well, he literally says. Uh, it's about making the grid more reliable. How does it make it more reliable? I don't know. And that correcting doesn't the doesn't make sense. Oh, it's all over the place. The the scope is all over the place. It's more reliable. How's that more reliable? What says, makes it more reliable? I'm going to give you what they say. <laughs> correcting the frequency for time deviations, which is not true. It's a frequency deviation, can cause other unnecessary problems for the grid. 
Apparently, uh, the adjustment, making, <laughs> making the hamsters run faster and the slaves row faster, is bad for the grid. Correcting DV here. More uh, oh in the future. I don't even know that they. I didn't even know that they did this. You're telling me so we we get this a cycle per second slowdown, and somebody comes in in the morning is oh my god we got to crank it up to 61 cycles for a while so people's clocks could be more accurate. Apparently, in the future, more use of renewable energy from the sun and wind. Oh, here we yeah, go. here it is. Will mean more variation. Oh, will mean more variations in frequency on the grid. Solar and wind power can drop off the grid with momentary changes in weather. Correcting those deviations is expensive and requires instant backup power to be always at the ready. Hmm. Oh, but coincidentally, this is all coming from uh, Carnegie Mellon, where our president just was. And all this stuff always fits together one way or the other. Weird. Yeah. Well, I'm, I'm sure we have... I know we have some electrical engineers out there who know about this stuff, and I'm sure they'll be weighing in. And helping us. Well, actually, I need to find out, too, because it sounds like a column for me. Oh, yeah. Instant column. It's like instant karma, only different. Insta column. So here's the most disturbing tweet of the week. And this, to me, was more disgusting than anything at Rep Wiener could have tweeted of his boner. Did you get this on your own uh, Twitter account? <laughs> In fact. And you can always follow me on Twitter. Uh, it was retweeted to me. This is from uh, Senator John McCain. Oh. His tweet from Twitter. Let me read this tweet for you, and then see if you can keep breakfast down. In hashtag Egypt for biz delegation with Jeff Immelt at General Electric, at Coca-Cola, at Bechtel, at Marriott International, at Dow Chemical, at Boeing Corporate, at ExxonMobil. So this douchebag is in Egypt with Jeffrey Immelt and General Electric, Coca-Cola, Bechtel, which as we know from the Confessions of an Economic Hitman is the economic hitman company of choice, Marriott International, Dow Chemical, Boeing, and ExxonMobil doing business. The elites. Total elites doing business in Egypt. After the proponents of getting toppling the regime, is is this not the textbook example of how? What is the point of the tweet? He's a dick. I think, or somebody in his office is. You, let's face it, he doesn't know what a hashtag is from hash browns. <laughs> wow, nice quote. What a, I mean, this is it, it. It made me sick to my stomach. So first, we participate in helping to throw the guy out of Egypt, Mbark. Good, bad, or indifferent, maybe not our business. And then we take over the place. And then we take over the place with which Jeffrey Immelt. Which yeah. brings me to a clip. Oh, thank goodness. What you got going on, brother? Play the WikiLeaks clip because it brings up a bunch of issues. WikiLeaks clip for issues. Behavior harder to commit. But it will make embarrassing behavior. Local officials less likely to, to share information. Embarrassing behavior is just this side of abusive behavior. Only 12,000 out of a quarter million diplomatic cables have been published so far. But they've already had consequences. A dozen cables from Tunisia exposed widespread corruption there and helped fuel a revolution and arguably had a domino effect. 
I mean, I don't want to give WikiLeaks credit for the transformation of the Arab world, but you know, to the extent that Tunisia influenced Egypt, these cables played some role uh, in the overthrow of the Mubarak regime. And these things are having an impact that I don't think any of us imagined at the time when it was just somebody handing us a huge trove of secret documents. Oh, exactly. By the way, so that- I'm listening to this is an old frontline report that came yeah. out way back when WikiLeaks was in the news. So I'm asking and doing Ask Adam. Oh. You, you always catch me off. You don't guard. have to play. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Ask Adam. Brother. <laughs> so anyway, I'm, so here's an Ask Adam for you. WikiLeaks shows up in the news. They over, you know, Arab Spring begins because of some of these memos. There's a big stink about the 250,000 is chasing this guy Assange around the world and all the rest of it. You always suspected that the guy was an agent of some sort. They, they, they his the publicity around the Tunisia thing creates the Tunisia situation, and then Egypt falls, and then. What happened to WikiLeaks? What happened to the WikiLeaks story and all the rest of these memos and stuff? I haven't heard an Assange. I can dig through the Sunday Times. There's no Julian Assange article in there. Why is it not a continuing story? Why was it? Why is it all of a sudden suppressed? And now we're off to something else. Oh well, I can answer that. So first of all, uh, I, unfortunately, I have to say uh, that WikiLeaks and Julian Assange, a complete CIA asset setup. It, it, the guy, it, it focused too much on the guy. He, you know, he took, he went, uh, awry. He's like, you know, he, uh, he's like getting laid, you know, he's like all kinds of stuff that was, it was cute for a while. And then they had to resurrect it in a new form because of course it was misused to, uh, kickstart the Arab Spring. By the way, the vendor who lit himself on fire, uh, that has now been debunked. The guy doesn't exist. There's, you know, it never happened essentially. There's like no evidence of this guy, uh, uh of this vendor. Uh, who got slapped. It's like completely it turns out to be a myth in Tunisia that started the Tunisian Arab Spring. So what do they do? They bring out a new group, Lolsec. And now Lolsec, uh, which, by the way, whose website with uh, with offending uh, and illegal um, copyrighted music of the Love Boat is still up and available. You know, it's a uh, yeah, it's registered through someone in the Bahamas. Big deal. You know, it's not like the government can't change the DNS servers like they do for every other thing that infringes upon copyright. No, they're not doing that. It's still up. They have not subpoenaed tweeters for uh, for the account information of Lulsec. Yet they're starting to release information on Arizona. Like and now they're disbanding. So this is the new way it goes. We have the lone wolf hackers out there. Literally call them lone wolf hackers. We've got the jester written in Hacksaw, and they steal documents, and they publish stuff from Tony Blair. By the way, uh, David Cameron, one of his guys, just uh, committed uh, suicided himself in uh, in Glastonbury at the festival on the on the, in the toilet. You know, a heart attack. No, we think it was suicide. Okay, get it. He was suicide by pooping in a plastic box. And this is the new. So, so basically, the guy. Yeah, I didn't know this story. This just broke. Yeah, Christopher okay, Shale. Wait, so the basically, so the guy goes to a festival to kill himself. He just doesn't stay at home. No, he goes. He goes exactly. He's like, <laughs> I you know, stay at home. I want to go kill myself. So I think I'll go kill myself in the plastic poop box at Glastonbury. Please, <laughs> yeah. And so, it literally, it says, well, you know, heart attack. No, he was suicide. Yeah, suicided. But this is the new thing now. Lulsec is uh, disbanding. 
No, we're disbanding. So this is the way it goes now. The techno experts who work for Lucifer Hillary Clinton are in there. They Whatever needs to be stirred up, they stir it up. They release documents for, you know, I guess Arizona, we have to take care of this whole uh, FBI. Uh, um, uh, fast and furious. Fast and furious things. We've got to either create a distraction or someone's got to hang for it. So that's why doc, you watch. These documents have been released. This, this is the new way to do it. It just blame it on some hackers. Hackers. Got yeah, and then you can you you say, hey, I got nothing to do with it. I got nothing to do with it. Right. Hackers. It's all hackers. Lone wolf hackers. The jester. <laughs> you got Rachel Madcow doing this whole piece. Hackers. Hackers. Lull sex. Lull security. Well, how come you don't take down the website if you're so all over this? And 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 the, the way the news is propagated gets worse. Like broke into the servers of the website. And it's like, please. You know, it's like, what does that even mean? So uh, yeah, so WikiLeaks was used. Now it's not important anymore. I think they. I did see some reports they released on Haiti, uh, saying like something like, uh, yeah, it was profiteering by American companies. Duh. Huh. Yeah. It's funny how they never break into uh, Bill Clinton's foundation website and release some information from there. Huh? I call upon all hackers to now go to the uh, Bill Clinton Foundation website, hack in there, and expose all their financial information. I can easily say it because it won't happen. Because it's not going to happen. Because this only happens to enemies of the Clintons. I'm going to go well, to anyway, hell so for they, that. Uh, so I just found it interesting to because I was run, going through my DVR because it's chewing up so much juice apparently that I uh, I ran into this old front line about WikiLeaks and Julian Assange and I realized that this guy has not been discussed for weeks and weeks and months. Nope. But meanwhile, they they have this little bomb in there about the fact that he may have been the one that's you know these some of these leaks about the Tunisians got the whole thing started or, or at least contributed to whatever was being planned. This whole thing is being orchestrated beautifully. Should we play the clip again from General Wesley Clark just so people remember? Oh, might as well. Might as well. I think so. I love it. About ten days after nine eleven, I went through the Pentagon and I saw Secretary Rumsfeld and. And Deputy Secretary Wolfowitz, I went downstairs just to say hello to some of the people on the joint staff who used used to work for me. And one of the generals called me in. He said, "Sir, you got to come in. You got to come in and talk to me a second. I said, "Well, you're too busy." He said, "No, no." He says, "We've made the decision. We're going to war with Iraq." This was on or about the 20th of September. I said, "We're going to war with Iraq. Why?" He said, "I don't know." <laughs> He said, I guess they don't know what else to do. So uh, I said, well, did they find some information collect- connecting Saddam to al-Qaeda? He said, no, no. He says, there's nothing new that way. They just made the decision to go to war with Iraq. He said, I guess it's like we don't know what to do about terrorists, but we've got a good military and we can take down governments. And um, he said, I guess if, if the only tool you have is a hammer, every problem has to look like a nail. So I came back to see him a few weeks later, and by that time we were bombing in Afghanistan. I said, are we still going to war with Iraq? And he said, oh, it's worse than that. He said, he reached over on his desk, he picked up a piece of paper, and he said, I just, he said, I just got this down from upstairs, meaning the Secretary of Defense office today, and he said, this is a memo that describes how we're going to take out seven countries in five years, starting with Iraq and then Syria, Lebanon, Libya, Somalia, Sudan, and finishing off Iran. 
And it looks like we're pretty close to uh, Syria, which is on that list, and Iran. Uh, so, you know, that the, the International Criminal Court, which uh, the elites in the United States of Gitmo do not recognize, because if they did, they'd have to go there and uh, and get locked up. Indicted. Indicted. They get locked up, so they don't recognize it. However, it's kind of convenient that Lucifer Hillary Clinton is now saying, well, you know, the International Criminal Court is saying that Gaddafi is uh, making his soldiers uh, use rape as a weapon of war, a tool of war, and handing out uh, Viagra to make their penises weapons of war. And now we have a new report. Prison guards in Iran are given condoms, are giving condoms to criminals, encouraging them to systematically rape young opposition activists locked up with them. Can you believe this report? Can you believe that this is the, they're trying? I mean, stop insulting me. They might as well say 33 condoms. It just, you know, slap me in the face with it. This is from The Guardian, by the way. Fine journalistic publication. Smuggled letters allege. You know, it's like, oh, real. Allege. I love that. Allege authorities are using mass rape as a weapon. This is the whole meme. Inside Iran's most notorious prisons. Seems like they're just trying Not to. Not any old prison, by the way. They have to be notorious. Notorious. <laughs> it's, it's, yeah, it's, thank you. And it says under the... Uh, it's actually, you'd love this article. You can find it in the show notes, uh, 316.nashownotes.com. A series of dramatic letters written by... Dramatic letters. Love the adjectives. Yes. Written by prisoners and families of imprisoned activists allege... That authorities are intentionally facilitating mass rape. Mass rape. What is this like? Is like is that like a flash mob? It's twelve fifteen. Time to rape, and using it as a form of punishment. It sickens me. Well, the, while we're on this topic, play the, <laughs> there's, there's, there, I was watching the McLaughlin report, and he had a rundown of all the money we're spending in this Iraq. Bye bye. I'm doing my McLaughlin. That's not bad. Yeah. A fiasco. But he puts he talks about this, which is also discussed quite a bit in the New York Times and elsewhere. And it's, and people aren't paying enough attention to it. But play world's largest embassy in Iraq. Oh, yeah. We, we should talk more about the Iraqis. This. And we are talking about some kind of an, a residual American presence in terms of helping them with beyond December of 2011. What? Some believe that we are sinking our roots in Iraq, and all the signs point that way. The U.S. Embassy in Iraq, get this, is the largest embassy in the world with a current population of 8,000 people (laughs) in the embassy. And the embassy soon expects to build that 8,000, get this, up to 17,000 people. The U.S. Embassy also has 19 planes and 24 helicopters. The amount of U.S. dollars spent in Iraq since day one is now more than $806 billion. Hey, who runs the embassies? Let me think. Hmm. Could it be Lucifer? Why do we need 17,000 people in any embassy, <laughs> let alone one out in the middle of nowheresville, Iraq? The size of the embassy it's is huge. eight football fields. It's like bigger. Isn't it bigger than the Pentagon? No, but it's getting to the size of the Pentagon, and it's in the middle of the green zone, which you're going to have to maintain. That it's very, ex- it's very expensive to maintain that whole green area, <laughs> yeah. which is just completely you can't get in and out of. It. It's like a little city with it's like a ci- it's like the Vatican in in Rome. It's a city within a city. That's actually a great analogy. It is the Vatican 
in Iraq. Yeah, it is the Vatican. It it is. It's in the middle, and they got this huge embassy with its own, you know, choppers and airplanes and landing strip, I suppose. Golf, golf club. They got a go- oh, they couple got- golf. It got to be at least two golf courses yeah. in there. And uh, why? To issue passports. Why, why else do we have an embassy? Meanwhile, meanwhile, you're in Spain in the civilized world and you can't get a passport for three days because the embassy is closed. Oh, the, yeah, it's closed. It's like a little back office. How big was that office in, and in then Barcelona? And it was also closed on the Spanish holiday, which isn't recognized <laughs> in the U.S. It's out so of control. The Amer- apparently, the Americans in, the, uh, in our, in our uh, embassies take off all American holidays and all local holidays. They're off half the time then. Do you, do you think there's a picture of the Iraq em- embassy? I haven't been able to find one. I think, you know, and the, here's the other thing. The, the Iraq embassy, I'm sure, looks like all the other American embassies. It's ugly. We have done nothing in terms of having, getting an architect to make these things so that actually it, it, once we get run, I guess maybe it's because they always expect we're going to get run out. We don't want to leave with anything pretty. Hey, it's uh, IraqiEmbassy.us. Oh, wow. Look at this. The embassy. Nice. We can get an internship there. <laughs> Let's see if they have... Oh, here's a little... Uh, oh, I'm sorry. This is the wrong one. That's the embassy of the Republic of Iraq. Now, if you, if you go to Google, the Googles yeah. on the Twitters, and you do Iraq embassy, and then you click on images, I think this is... Uh, here it is. The U.S. embassy in Iraq. It's pretty nice looking, dude. Wow, this thing is. Oh, here's a here's another here's a, here's a a rendering of it. Is this the one a rendering on the left? I'm the looking top? at uh, erratica.us. Yeah, I got a. The problem is it ends up loading every image before you can actually start doing. Okay, it. here the architecture firm in charge of the design, Berger, Divine, and Jaeger. This is good. No, I, I need to do some research into this now. This is uh, this is going to be my new Sunday thing. Now look at this. Wow. Let's see. Planning, sustainability. These guys are big. About BDY. I wonder who's on the board. You think there could be any any shills in here for any reason? Where are they located? They must have some some connection. Do you think? Selected clients include U.S. Army Corps of Engineers, U.S. Department of State. There you go. Yeah, perfect. How about planning? Let's Our see. architectural knights might give us some insight. Uh, they know. They know for sure. Let me see. Because, you know, usually what you do is you, you can go to the, and they're so proud of it, like they'll just blow the whistle. Like, oh. Yeah, you know, they blow the whistle on themselves. Federal government. Let's see what they've done for the federal government. Um, partnerships with the U.S. Corps. Oh, what have they done? Uh, BDY Send me the link to that site. Where, what is it? BurgerDivineYeager.com. Uh, BDY has competed, completed U.S. Army, U.S. Army Reserve projects in partnership with the U.S. Corps of Engineers of Kansas City, Omaha, Fort Worth, Savannah, Louisville, Tulsa, Middle East districts, including our ongoing projects in Iraq and Afghanistan. Our government contracts yield uh, uh, contract vehicles include Kansas City District, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. What is that? Indefinite. This is a great contract to have. Yeah, we got we're on board with that indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract. Wow. It's called IDIQ. 
Northwest Regional Multiple Award Task Order for Barracks and Company Operation Facilities and U.S. General Services Administration, IDIQ, and U.S. Department. IDIQ, this is great. Indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. Could you make it any more apparent? It's crazy. Absolutely crazy. Not seeing any. These guys are based in Kansas. Mm-hmm. Anyway, have, do you know what the standard form 33 is? You ever heard of this? No, what is it? Someone sent no. me this link. If you go to, It's acquisition.gov. Uh, solicitation, offer, and award. So the government, the form for an offer and a bid and reward of a government contract bid is called Standard Form 33. Please. No, that's funny. Insult me more. Could you please? Standard form is like when you take, when you're getting free money on the indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract, as we now just just read to you live, indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity. Doesn't that mean forever? Uh, yeah, well, indefinite. Yeah. It means as long as you want it to. Forever and ever. Yeah, forever. It could forever, be forever. Forever and ever. It's called the Standard Form 33. And it's a very small form, by the way. Whoop. There was something kind of funny that happened in Ireland. You were talking about Ireland. So we've got yeah. Gla- Glastonbury happening right now. My daughter's bummed. She wanted to be there. But it's probably good you're not there because, you know, you people are like pooping, on, pooping and dying there. Isn't that good? Um... So you too is uh, is playing at Glastonbury, <laughs> and uh, there's the anti-capitalist group Art Uncut inflated a six meter balloon emblazoned with the message "You pay your tax too," because we know you too has moved their uh, royalty operations out of Ireland into the uh, kingdom of the Lowlands in the Netherlands, where you pay no tax on royal, almost no tax on royalties. So yeah, and these guys make like two hundred million dollars a year, and people are like, "Hey, you're full of crap, Bono!" And so they blew up this, you know, and it's like you with a U, and the two with the number two. You pay your tax yeah. too. Security guards wrestled them to the ground before deflating the balloon and taking it away. Oh, brother! <laughs> why? Like, because you can't insult King Bono. You know, Unbelievable. King Bono, Al Gore's buddy, investment buddies over there at uh, Kleiner Perkins. Unbelievable. Shut up, slave. You can't have a balloon. <laughs> We're going to pop your balloon. Take it away. Thought that was kind of cool. Good on you. You got to call out these elites. And by the way, as you know, elites are not the same as political elites, just so it's very, very clear. Uh, also in... Uh, in Ireland now, they're also, everyone's warning now for bean sprouts. Irish consumers have been urged not to eat raw bean sprouts after an E. coli outbreak in France, similar to uh, the one in Germany. I think five people have now died in France. I'm getting my nation stinky cheese. So the E. coli thing is I not gone. Thought, Sorry? I never thought much of, of the French eating bean sprouts, but I guess. Yeah. I well, it's raw bean sprouts. Of course, it's only uh, the organic raw bean sprouts. Uh, and the food, the FSA, which I guess is Gitmo Nation uh, East. Yeah, Food Standards Agency says it is revising its guidance on the consumption of sprouted seeds in light of an outbreak of E. coli in France. 
And the Russians, by the way, have banned all vegetables from Europe now, which is a big export for uh, for for the United States of Europe. So that's like a huge hit to, to farming. Monsanto's coming in, everybody. Hey! Monsanto. Here they come. Yeah. I just want to say one more thing about the this burger, Divine Jaeger. Yes. So I, while you were talking, I was looking them up, and then I found that I, I went to the Corporation Wiki, which is this uh, interesting site that takes any bu- company or person and then you drops them in a visualizer, and then shows all the weird interconnections all over the world. And oh everything yeah, 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 kinda, yeah, yeah. I love that. Yeah, yeah. You drop it in. What do you, what do you think you get? Nothing. <laughs> no connections. <laughs> no known connections. Yeah, no one knows anything about them. Uh huh. No, we got to do some work on Burger Divine Jaeger. This is interesting. And they have yeah, the indefinite delivery, indefinite quantity contract for the uh, embassy of Iraq. 17 football fields. Oh, is it 17? That's what you said. No, I said eight. Oh, I thought you said 17. It was 17,000 people. Oh, 17,000 people, eight football fields. Yeah, but it's within the green zone, which is bigger than the green zone. I'm oh, sure the green zone's the size of I don't know Minneapolis, and I'm it's sure huge. that they got you know they got just like in Egypt, they got Coca Cola there, Marriott International, Bechtel, who's doing all the construction. I'm I, to the people of Gitmo Nation outside of the United States. I, again, I apologize for for what we are doing to you. It's just stupid. And I got to so talking about yeah. Go ahead. Go on. No, please. Well, I was just the weird, one weird story came up this week that I thought was interesting. We probably should discuss because I think it's. A, it, I don't know what it says, but it's. It, but the story about Amy Aguchi. Who's that? The AKB forty seven singer, who's a big hot pop star in Japan. Oh, she turned out to be a robot. She's a robot. Yeah, I, ha- I have a clip of where they discuss it a little bit here from on CNN. First glance, but there is something odd about this, isn't it? Do we want to hear it? Okay, Maureen, what's going on here? So this is Aimee Iguchi. She is the newest member of Japanese pop group AKB48, which is a group of almost 60 idols. <laughs> and there's five main char- sort of people that lead this group. Um, they sing songs, all that. This newest member had a huge high-profile um, campaign with a candy company. And when, initially when people saw her, they thought, how did this girl rise to such prominence so quickly? How come we don't know anything about her? We don't know anything about her background. As it turns out, she's actually a computer-generated fake. She's a virtual person. Uh. They took the best features from the six main members of this large girl group, put them together, and turned them into this woman. So now, amazingly, this isn't even Japan's first virtual pop idol. They actually have another pop star who performs via hologram at oh concert stadiums. All right. So oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. It's certainly strange. Yeah, we're out of time yes. here because I know I want to see what's going on. Yeah, we're out of time. Yeah, we're out of time. We're out of time. we got to do 25 commercials, so get off the stage. Well, this is uh, so, uh, this is a setup. Obviously, we're conditioning people to accept virtual news readers, uh, virtual politicians. This woman is actually she's very attractive. She is a uh, the animation is you would never know it wasn't a person. They got the head stuffed down. I, I sent you a couple of links. 
No, I've seen it. I, I, I've seen a couple of the videos. I've seen the YouTube videos. Yeah, and she's, um, it's amazing. And yeah, this is obviously this is, and the Japanese are obviously the testing ground. But, you know, Don you Lemon know, in that clip is, Don Lemon is freaking out. He's like, this is why he cut her off. It's like, shut up. We're next. Well, <laughs> that's a good point. Yeah. Yeah. I'm sure that's not why he cut her off because I'm sure someone was yelling in his ears. Ah, we're overtime. Mm. Or, or maybe they're yelling just to get her off because we don't want Don to realize that he's next. I don't <laughs> Don, think Don is waking up, everybody. Quick, slipping an Ambien in his, in his Diet Coke and let's go to commercial. Yeah. But yeah, no. I mean, why would you, you, you take a look at this woman? And people, I recommend people go search, seek out AKB48 robot. And then find some pictures of this uh, Amy person and look at her and say, well, you know, if this if she was the newsreader for Russia Today, their ratings would go way up. <laughs> yeah. And we could do a hologram when she's doing location and stuff. It doesn't cost anything. It's low budget. You just have a couple coders to make sure, you know, you have to once it's all set up, you should be able to get her to do all kinds of stuff. But just the news writers, uh, then they're never going to be unionized. And right. uh, yeah. Well, I th- I think uh, you're right. I think news is first, and politicians are next. It's easy. If we, they can do it with this quality, the quality of this it's outstanding. It's absolutely outstanding. outstanding. I mean, when you really, really look at it, you know, it's like maybe the lips are a little out of sync with the, the with the words. The ears are weird looking, and she blinks at weird intervals. But I mean, they, it, they, it, it doesn't matter. Fixable. Yeah, totally. You In and fact, I could sit there and just. But you know, there's like no rack. In fact, Lassiter. Well, you can put a rack on her. Yeah. Lassiter over here at, uh, at uh, what's the name of the company that Disney owns? Uh, Pixel. Uh, Pixar. Pixar. Uh, he was talking about, they have a new movie coming out, and, and, and I saw some clips from it. He was on some talk show. And the, they have gotten water. To an unbelievable, I mean, this splashing and stuff. They got water. They've done. They've done the coating for water that is so amazing that you would never in a million years not think it was real water being splashed and sloshed around. Uh, there's no reason they can't. This is the, this. These people are the news readers and those type. With the exception of you and I, and we could because we have Doug that could replace us. <laughs> what do you mean can? <laughs> That could replace us, but the fact is we at least produce – I think this puts us in an interesting premium spot because the show that we do is a premium show because we're actually thinking. We're not just reading some crap the PR person puts in front of us that we have to read off a prompter. That job is done. That let me, job let me just evaluate. By Amy. We just said uh, uh, has no rack – yeah, all those things that you'd never get on a real yeah, show. Yeah, you wouldn't get on a real show. <laughs> I have to tell people, you know, that, yeah, we, we, we don't care because we don't have to worry about some – because we that when we ask for donations, Dvorak.org slash NA and the No Agenda Show. Uh, no Agenda Nation. Dot com and No Agenda Nation. Go to those sites to help us because if you were listening to the last show we did, go back and listen to the end of the show. We played the, the complete tape of the, of, the, of the bigot in the airline cockpit – Oh yeah, and, yeah, and that whole clip was a, it was interesting and oddly amusing, but that's nothing that will ever get played on any mainstream show anywhere, right? Ever. So uh, yeah, no, your news is going to be uh, animatronics completely, and this is just getting ready, getting you ready for it. Can and you it'll can, get and prettier site? I mean, I would rather listen to her read the news than, than Don Lemon on Russia Today or Don Lemon or, or Don Lemon. Yeah, 
and and the, and and the guests will be that way too. It's going to be, you know what? Oh, I think the get that's great to have the get just robot guests because <laughs> yeah. you know you don't know them, right? So just uh, and you can have them on via satellite. We'll just call it satellite. Now it's going to be perfect. It's going to be great. We're going into a golden age of television. A golden age, I tell you. Yeah. There was something that uh, that uh, happened, and I was kind of afraid to ask you. And actually, I thought that maybe it would be it, like it might get. Dis- uh, it, I'm sure it will get discussed on this uh, week's upcoming episode of Dvorak Horowitz Unplugged, which you can also hear now on the No Agenda stream, as we're all talk, no commercials, no agenda. This is about the release of the Strategic uh, Petroleum Reserves. The I think they call it the SPR. Yeah. And uh, this yeah. was a clip that I grabbed from uh, the Financial Channel. I think uh, it must have been CNBC. Um, this is the, um, I forget his name is a guy's one of the, he's the, I think he's the largest independent oil trader and he has pretty concerned about what happened from two perspectives. Gary, it's a very interesting dynamic. This is a sign of desperation. You don't do this if you have anything left in your arsenal. So I think, so Mark, so if we do get some sort of terrible hurricane season, I think your point is that the upside has now been accelerated in terms of where we may go on the upside as a result of this release today in what was not a, um, a, not a market that you felt needed intervention. You know, the interesting thing is, it's sort of like when the, when, when the Swiss bank tried to, Swiss central bank tried to go ahead and, and control the price of the Swiss franc versus the euro currency. That didn't end right. And I think this isn't going to end, end right either. I mean, the only thing, Gary, I think that people aren't focused on yet is if you look at the price of crude at 2.30 yesterday, this information, in my opinion, yeah. for what it's worth, was leaked. Yeah, I was wondering about that, Mark. I mean, it was this morning yeah. before it came out, we had, we had crude down 4% already. No, I, 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 you know, it's interesting because I think the CFTC has done an admirable job of, you know, of investigating price anomalies. I mean, this is a layup. I mean, I mean, this. What happened after the close of two thirty? When you close on the highs, and you're merely seventy cents off off the high in about five minutes, and the and and and, and I don't know if you can bring up a chart of a, you know what happens. We since, did, yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of crazy. I mean, somebody knew something, and I, I'd be and I'd be shocked to see. You know, I, I think everyone would be surprised to see a week from now, a month from now, two months from now, when investigations conducted, somebody somebody from the IEA leaked this to somebody. Yeah. So two right. things in this clip. One is. He's saying they are so clueless, they have nothing left to control uh, anything in the economy with, that they released this, the, a portion of the strategic petroleum reserves. God forbid we have a, an actual disaster and we need it for something else. And the second thing he says, which he's clearly irked about, he's saying someone there was insider knowledge of this, that someone leaked that this was happening, and people tra- and he, I guess he didn't, people were trading on it. Yeah, John. Yeah, it's what, obvious, what's the, what is the point of the strategic petroleum reserve and this release, which happened at a you know kind well, of interesting moment? By the moment. way, it's been tapped before. I think sure it has. No, it's been ta- it's been tapped several times. Sure, even it goes Clinton in and tapped out of it. Being yeah. tapped. Well, here's what I think. Is I tapped going that. On. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Uh, here's what I think is going on. I think Obama is. Uh, you know, it, at least the, the Democrats are worried about the 2012 elections because there's this old rule about any time the, the unemployment's over 7%, the, the incumbent president never gets reelected. It's never happened in history, although, you know, there's, things are vague. But, but the fact is they got to do something about this unemployment problem. And the best way to do it is lower the cost of energy because energy is actually makes things run. And, it's, you know, it's, what, it's a profit driver. If you've got cheap energy and you can make the machines produce products and doesn't cost much to do so because energy is cheap. Even though this, economy, this apparently was not even the right type of crude. It wasn't even the, the, the right stuff. Because the crude goes into the system. Okay. It, do, it's not, it doesn't make any, that's minor issue. 
Because once it goes into the refining system, it comes out in any way you want it to. Uh, it just costs more to do it, but not that much. Anyway, so the point is, is I think they're, they're doing anything they can to, to jack up the economy somehow. And I would almost predict there's going to be a QE3 too, which is a quantitative easing, the third version, just to get this thing so that, so this, so the trends are right by the time the election comes around in 2012, because they've only got a year, well, a year and a half to get things turned around or, or the Democrats are going to be out on their asses in mass. And this is, I think this is all part of this ploy. I don't think it's got anything to do with anything else. I, uh, you know, and we got plenty of this oil. It's not like, you know, we have to, it's not like it's I don't think it's as big a deal as these guys are making it out to be. I think it's just a ploy and I don't think it's desperation either. Hmm. But OK, so it's a ploy. But at the same time, they uh, they let they let people in on it. So, you know, some of their buddies well, no, could get rich. Else. That's just some some jerk. And, you know, I mean, that doesn't mean any the government was behind the, oh, the okay. leaking because there's no okay. there's no benefit to that. I mean, unless, it's, you know, they're trying to benefit somebody's buddy. But that's just, I think that's just, that was a normal leak that happens all the time. It could have, it could have been from gossip. It could have been from all kinds of different things. Who knows? I mean, it could have been from, just like the print shop, you know, you print these papers up and somebody at the print shop reads it. I mean, you never know. I mean, they'll track it down, I'm sure. But I don't think that's important. It's that, that one guy just complaining about it. Okay. All right. But so quantitative easing number three, QE3, which would definitely affect the market that's just another printing of money right that's where they print more well, money and essentially yeah and then they uh they buy it up themselves or whatever it's i don't uh, they just got to do anything they can because this economy is in the doldrums whew. and it's going to stay that way for the next 10 years from the way or not the next 10 but at least the next eight and, but so they can, they can create these artificial situations by running down the, if they can get the price of crude down to 50 bucks or less they can, you know, things will be looking good for a short term. Right on. So here's what I'm working on uh, this week as we have uh, our long intermission in between now and the show on uh, Thursday. The brand new uh, UN Office on Drugs and Crime, UNODC, has come out with their report. So I've got to comb through that. Just a couple of highlights uh, that I have off the bat. New drugs are uh, offsetting cocaine and heroin gains. This is the, uh, you know, oh. the, uh, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. This oh. Is, oh, yes. So this is going to be a problem. Uh, this is actually, it's an industry report for the <laughs> for the elites who deal in this crap in, uh, you know, the poppy trade in Afghanistan and uh, the CIA uh, coke uh, transport. Uh, so it's, a, so you know, now this is the bath salts and stuff that people are getting all freaked out about. But uh, the most interesting news, I would have to say, where do you think heroin is the cheapest, John, of all the places in the world? Uh, where is heroin the cheapest? Uh, New York City? No, 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 no. Los Angeles? No, 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 no. Uh, uh, Moscow? No, 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 no. Uh, Afghanistan? No. Okay, where? Belgium. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Well, that's a weird one. Average is only... Well, no wonder Haiku Herman seems like he's out to lunch. <laughs> 23, 23 euros a gram in uh, in Belgium, apparently. Huh. That's pretty good, right? I don't know what the price of heroin goes for. I, I've never had even thought about it. I think it's uh, 50 bucks a balloon in Los Angeles. And what's a balloon? I have no idea. <laughs> I don't know, man. It's like you get your bus tokens, your, your Diet Pepsi, and a balloon. I have no idea what that goes for. But uh, interesting that they've they've done that uh, analysis, and um, yeah, this is the same. Uh, the, the report last year 
these are the guys that reported that uh, all of this drug money was actually uh, whitewashed through the banks. Oh, yeah. This is the same report, so I'm sure there's going to be more damning evidence in here that and no one will do anything about. The UN actually, I have to say, the UN, they, they do some interesting reports. You know, got the, no, they do. There's a lot of good stuff that comes out of the UN. Yeah, like the Human Rights Co- uh, Commission that, uh, you know, they went down to check on the allegations of rape by Gaddafi and Viagra, and they couldn't find anyone. Yeah, these reports, if, if it doesn't fall into the right, you know, line of thinking, they don't get much publicity. Right. And then I'm working on getting Ray Nagan. Is it Nagan? 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 Nagan. Nagan, the former mayor of uh, New Orleans. He has a book out, and you know, I'm doing the big book show and also putting those interviews on the, the stream now. He has a book out um, where he says that he was actually in a state of paranoia, suspecting the federal government of trying to poison him. <laughs> Brother. Yeah. <laughs> At one point, he believed the, the city's wealthiest, most powerful residents were trying to bug his hotel suite. So uh, I have to read this book, and I'm going to get him on the honker and interview him. This will be fun. And we'll get that on... Uh, well, yeah, I'm we sure. should be able to get a couple of clips off of that. Yeah. I also have the uh, the global warming uh, professor, uh, Kurt Steger. Uh, that's in the can. That should be produced and up, uh, I think, Monday or Tuesday. I'll put that on the stream as well. Fantastic guy. He's kind of like a crazy banjo-playing professor. He's all about saving the carbon and, uh, and uh, we're all going to die. Uh, and he walked right into my trap. I said, so uh, do you believe in uh, peak oil? Oh, yes, absolutely. And I said, so if peak, if, if oil ends, doesn't the problem end? He said, oh, yes, absolutely. <laughs> it's like, so what he said, well, we have a choice. We can party now or, uh, you know, or we can change the earth in 100,000 years, he says. Yeah, I know. They all, they, they, that, new, that number just came up recently. Yeah. No, he it's said, cropping up everywhere. Yeah, he says, if, if we were to stop all carbon emissions right now, this very minute, it wouldn't have an effect on the earth for another 100,000 years. Now, he says, you know, he says, well, you know, that's a choice. What kind of earth the do we want? of absurdity, by the way. What kind of earth do we want in 100,000 years? I'm like, brother, screw it. I'm partying. <laughs> I'm just going to party. It's unbelievable. It's ridiculous. But it's great. I mean, I, I really like the guy. We had a great chat. And he actually said, you know, I really appreciate someone who has a... Uh, you know, a, uh, an, uh, an, uh, an anti stance on this. And he actually is, so, uh, you know, he's been quoted in the IPCC reports, although he's not one of the people who signed off on it or was a part of it. Um, he says, I really detest science being used as a weapon. So they, they, that's good. You know, he's kind of a good guy in that regard. Hmm. Which uh, a lot of, uh, I've gotten a lot of emails. We have new listeners coming on board and that I don't understand your anti vaccination stance. And um, please. We're not anti-vaccination, okay? We're not. He said, well, it's clear that these are peer-reviewed journals on, uh, what was that that thing that we had uh, about? Uh, yeah, from The Lancet or one The Lancet, things. yeah. It's peer-reviewed. So, you know what? Would you please don't email me and say that I'm crazy. Go look at the peers. Look at who's getting money from where. Just really look into it. Well, ask him also how you have a vaccine against cocaine use. How's that a vaccine? This is bogus. I got a new vaccine for you. I I got a new vaccine for you. Hold on. These are lesions here. For about 80 years, to prevent folks from getting tuberculosis, doctors have used a vaccine called BCG. But that vaccine is part of an important scientific question. Could it also help those with 
type 1 diabetes. We're talking about treating people. Now, is diabetes something that uh, you need to be vaccinated against? Well, type 1 diabetes, which is the which is the type of diabetes where your your pancreas doesn't work. Uh-huh. Uh, is this a, is an ailment like, you know, a, a missing finger. I mean, you can't take a vaccine and grow a finger back. Well, no. It's not a vaccine anyway. It's not caused by anything that they know of. It's genetic. This is a vaccine that they have for this. With long-standing diabetes trying to reverse the disease. This teenager is among the millions who suffers from type 1, also known as juvenile diabetes. And to help you understand how it begins, this is the cross-section of a bone. You can see the marrow releasing bad cells, shown here in green, which go on the attack in the pancreas, killing other... By the way, where did this come from all of a sudden? These nice little animations and stuff, pre-packaged. Critical cells that produce insulin. Now, I'll tell you what it is, what I think is going on here. This vaccine, as far as I can tell, expires in 2012, the patent on the vaccine... So they need to re-patent it as a vaccine against diabetes. Oh, you mean it's some other drug? The BCG. I mean, it's a drug that you're saying is going to be repatented as a vaccine. Yeah, no, no, it, it is a vaccine. The BCG vaccine is a vaccine, um, and it's running out of patents. But it was never a vaccine for diabetes. Now they have this amazing oh, I see. finding a new oh, okay, right. It's like purposing it all hey, we vaccine. just found out it's amazing. But when you take this BCG vaccine, it turns out that it may listen to the end of the report. It may actually stop uh, you from getting type one may. diabetes. Yeah, uh, I said listen. started going, and that was kind of scary because I would have to have friends read things to me. In turn, diabetics have to give themselves regular insulin injections to keep blood sugar levels normal. But at this Boston hospital, in an early clinical trial, doctors gave six diabetics injections of BCG. Blood tests later showed their pancreas had produced small amounts of insulin again. So that's pretty remarkable, and we're encouraged. It's thought the vaccine creates a compound, seen here as bits of yellow, thought. that destroy the bad cells before they hit the pancreas and allowing the insulin-producing cells to regrow something they previously saw in lab mice. It that's not a vaccine, that's a treatment. To a cure for diabetes tomorrow or a prevention for diabetes tomorrow, but it's certainly a path down which we need to go and, and study more. So there's the disclaimer. So it's a, it's a treatment, it's not a vaccine even if it works. Exactly. Why is our treatments now being called vaccines? This is bullcrap. Uh, by the way, I have a clip on about vaccines from a 1950s, early 1950s Robert Mitchum movie when vaccines were seen as, as which, by the way, this has all disappeared from the uh, public uh, uh, consciousness. Vaccines were, were seen as sketchy. Mike, you've got to listen to me. All right, then. It, it's true I deceived you. It's true I was sent down to Is this the vaccine? Hold on a second. That's not the right... Oh, I'm sorry. It's, uh, I thought it was a 1950s clip. My mistake. Well, what, what's the... Oh, here it is. You had two 1950s clips. My, my apologies. Not anymore. She's gone. She got pushed around. I wouldn't have stayed myself only she got sick being vaccinated. How come you're asking? I want to find her. You want to find her for that man? No, for myself. Where'd she go? Maybe I oughtn't to tell nothing. Maybe more harm would come to her if you didn't. Is she in harm now? I don't know. She disappeared. Yeah. Also, uh, I want to remind people that as uh, they crank up swine flu again, 1976, we had our first swine flu scare. And they, uh, I think uh, a lot of people died from the vaccine then. 
Uh, and they it was soldiers, I think. Didn't they do like 500 soldiers? No, and, no it was the public. Okay. But it, I had a guy I worked with at the, at the, at the uh, government air pollution district who got sick from this stuff. But, of course, uh, the only thing that's changed now. So, anyway, so to bring it all around, we are skeptical about how the word vaccine is used. I personally am extremely skeptical about the uh, Gardasil vaccine. Uh, I've had many doctors tell me that it certainly does uh, does not uh, combat all forms of HPV. The fact now that they are giving it to 11-year-old boys saying that it will combat throat cancer because they, are, of course, are going to be performing oral sex when they're 11, is crazy. I got a, a note here. I, you, know, I, you know, I don't know why you're even... You obviously were affected by some bonehead listener who's not a, a doctor. No, you know, another... Uh, someone who's studying biology or cellular biology. Oh, another biology. student is being brainwashed by the system. Yes, and, yes. And, and that, it gets there, me riled basically, up. Basically, they go out as clones looking for this sort of thing. This is like the, the, the warmists. Yeah. You know, the global warming people, they're always looking for someone and saying something negative, and then they jump on them like ankle biters, and they bite, 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 and so this shuts people up. You were you were given a uh, letter to shut you up. Yep. Because obviously the person, if anyone has listened to the show more than a few weeks, which is most of our listeners, they know that's not going to work. But some newbie would come along and think, "Oh, this is this is bad. Let me send him and <laughs> let me do my job and send him a nasty note, and that maybe will shut him up." Yeah, I get too involved. You're right. You're right. But here, here's a tweeter. Here's a tweeter that I got just this morning. And you can always follow me on Twitter. At uh, Adam Curry brought my six-month-old son to get vaccinated. They tried to schedule Gardasil for some time in the near future. Told her flat out no. Six month old. Now they're, they're, this is the marketing budget for Gardasil. We've been following this for years, for years. And if you really look at HPV, it's vaginal warts. A lot of this goes away. It really does. You know, and and I'm not saying the cervical cancer isn't real, but this Gardasil does not do the job. It doesn't do the job, and it's just being pumped into everybody. And now boys. Because, you know, said they're saying oral cancer. I have the reports here. 75% of oral cancer is, is from uh, uh, oral sex and not from smoking. It's reverse. It used to be smoking that, that gave you throat cancer. Now it's oral sex. Yeah, it sounds like bull crap. <laughs> so it does to me, too. It is bull crap. It's just, okay, I think that the drop it. Because we're going to be talking about this a lot. Yeah, we'll, but, dro- yeah, we'll drop it for now. The, yeah, get the, I do have, I don't know, I have a couple of clips. Yeah, let's roll, let's roll, man. Let's, uh, you roll well, us out with some clips. I got a couple of clips. I got an old clip. This is kind of interesting to show how, you know, what, who's the name of that crazy guy that goes in front of the EU? We love to play his clips. Oh, uh, Nigel Farage? Nigel Farage. The, the, the Nigel Farage is... A, he's not crazy. He's, no, he's not crazy, but I... He's portrayed as such. No, he's, he's right on the money. But I have an old Thatcher clip that goes back to the 80s when the EU was being founded and the Brits wanted to kind of get into it, but they didn't want to get too much into it. And here's Thatcher basically being Nigel Ferris. 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 Ferris, right? Farage. 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 <laughs> pretty much the same kind of thing. And the, the Brits have a tradition of this. And I, I think this is one of the few things they do right. As the European community flourished, 
Even Britain decided to knit itself into this new creation. Self-interest was beginning to take over. For the British, the appeal lay in growing a single economic space rather than in pushing forwards ever greater European integration. The president of the Commission, Mr. Delors, said at press conference the other day that he wanted the European Parliament to be the democratic body of the community. He wanted the Commission to be the executive, and he wanted the Council of Ministers to be the Senate. No, yes. no, yes. no. Well, that's exactly what happened. <laughs> I know. She did apparently. Is exactly what happened. No, no. Hey, you old no. bat, get out of here. We're, we're doing this. Wow, good one. Yeah, I was. I was like, wow, that's interesting. It's kind of. A, I'm tripping. Meanwhile, out, I, the other 1950s movie clip. We'll just get this out of the way, uh, because people are saying, "Oh, the new the journalists today. There, just a lot of corruption, a lot of public relations doing all this, you know, stuff. You know, the TMC and all the rest of it. And meanwhile, there's this clip from a movie called Run to the Sun with Richard Widmark and uh, Greer. I can't remember her first name. And this is the clip uh, that where the where she is apparently a reporter tracking this ex, this novelist and trying to write a story about him. And this as soon as they play this clip, I said, this pl- clip could have taken place. You know, th- th- this just proves to people that things don't change that much and where things aren't that much weirder. Play this clip and you'll see it sounds like yesterday. Mike, you've got to listen to me. All right, then. It, it's true I deceived you. It's true I was sent down to find you. What's even worse, it was my own idea. I happened to love your work, and I wanted to know why you quit. Mike, a man of your talent has no right to quit. You can skip the literary criticism. What else could I do? Just been honest, honey. And get my story? You'd have kicked me from here to Halifax. You got your story. Yes, it's terrific. You want to know something else? I'm not going to write it. Of course not. Mike, it happens to be the truth. What do you know about truth? Or honesty? Doing it the hard way without using your big brown eyes to get ahead. Well, don't give yourself too much credit. Any one of those four-eyed monsters from your nosy little magazine might have done just as well. I was ready. You do this for money or do you get a belt out of prying into people's lives? The new kind of journalism. Let's play Peeping Tom. I salute you. You did a fine job. You'll go far. Wow. That's very good. Yeah. 1950, good? huh? They're already complaining about uh, tabloid journalism. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny because uh, from the same Bill Maher show that I did watch, uh, I think they the, so the douchebag uh, elites are sitting at the table there. And they're pretty much saying uh, we need uh, licensed journalists. Mousetrap. Uh, Once you get it's in there, a mousetrap. It's right. Get out of there. It's like a roach motel. You can't leave. Right. But there's also no credibility standards too. When you go online and if right. you put in Barack Obama, you don't know if you're going to read. Some, if you know, most people aren't as concerning and don't know if they're looking at the New York. Times. We're stupid. We're stupid. Times or you know their Aunt Tessie's website. You know uh, they, they don't know how to filter it. No, because we're stupid. We're stupid slaves. There are a lot of people sitting at home in their underwear on their couch, spouting out their opinions and spewing it out into the toxic universe. I take offense to that. 
<laughs> and calling it news. Right, but some people don't know the difference. But what there's a dearth of, the, the evisceration of the newsroom means a lack of real investigative journalism. The uh-huh. Anthony Weiner story, the internet can handle that beautifully. But, right. but corruption on the local school board, if the newsroom's been eviscerated, there's nobody out there who's humping a story like that. That's ah. Humping a story. And there you go. That's what the elites think of you. You're too stupid. Okay, you're too stupid, and we need to have licensed journalists and people in their underwear just spouting stuff. Don Lemon is sitting in his underwear. I know that. Yeah. So yeah, that this is a trend that we're gonna. But this is. But luckily, the Constitution, which of course they're trying to get rid of, is uh, keeps that from. You know, the fact is, the person in their underwear sitting there writing on publishing stuff on the internet is uh, is protected. I know they're going to try to beat that up. Yeah, no kidding. Well, get your podcast license now so you can listen to our show legally. I have a good editorial clip from Judge Napolitano if you want to play it after the show. As an end end of show clip? Yeah. Yeah, we can do that. Uh, How long is it? Yeah, no, that's good. What is it it about? It promotes, uh, it actually promotes Ron Paul and and your other buddy. Uh, Kucinich? No, 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 the guy. Oh, Gary Johnson? Johnson is the only... Real Republicans running for president, they're not uh, going to get anywhere. No, of course not. They get eviscerated by the party. But I do like that people are waking up, and uh, you know, as long as we can keep uh, our listeners awake and and with it, we can all live the American dream of just, <laughs> right. get, of just, just getting get just by. getting by and playing by the rules and retiring with dignity. Buenas tardes. Hello, Pittsburgh. Yeah, I want to remind people to help us out for the next uh, for next Thursday by going to Dvorak.org slash NA and uh, NoAgendaNation.com. Yes, and right after the uh, end of show clip, uh, the No Agenda producer update uh, here on the live stream as we've gone all talk, no commercials, no agenda. Uh, Gitmo Slave running the show, so stay tuned for that. And uh, check in the NoAgendaNewsNetwork.com so you can uh, participate in the stream. Coming to you from the great state of California, Southern California, where we have a use tax. In the morning, I'm Adam Curry. And from Northern Silicon Valley, where I'm just getting by, I'm John C. Dvorak. We'll talk to you again on Thursday, right here on the best podcast in the world. No agenda. Constitution that was intended to limit rather than to unleash the government. Giving away the store is where we find ourselves today. Today we have a government in Washington that has us halfway to socialism. Today we have a government that borrows more than it collects in taxes. Today we have worthless money chasing goods in stores with prices that are skyrocketing. Now, this didn't happen overnight. It began a hundred years ago with Woodrow Wilson and was ratcheted up with FDR. And every modern president since FDR has taxed more, spent more, borrowed more, and given away more than his predecessors. Now, back to our question about Republican candidates for president. I think most of them are Democrat light. Most of them believe in spending more than they collect in taxes, in letting the FBI spy on you without warrants from judges, in money that is worthless, and in a government that can right any wrong, regulate any behavior, tax any event, and fight any war the president prefers. Now, they might not right as many wrongs or regulate as much behavior or tax as high as the Democrats, and some have recently argued that we must bring the troops home. But they generally see no moral or constitutional impediments to Washington doing whatever it wants. 
Only Governor Gary Johnson and Congressman Ron Paul have consistently argued that the status quo must go, that the people are entitled to a government that stays within the confines of the Constitution, and that the Constitution means what it says, and it was written to keep the government off the people's backs. Perhaps some other candidates will pick up on these arguments as well. But as time goes by, as the campaign proceeds, as we get closer to the primaries themselves, ask yourself, who will continue the long march to government control of everything? And who will make a U-turn and bring us back to freedom? Who will utterly reject the status quo? With every speech and debate and op-ed and blog, the answer will become obvious. From New York, defending freedom every night of the week. So long, America. Dvorak.org slash N-A. Adios, mofo.